We'll talk about it in a bit when we get to that part of the show. But should we start recording so we can uh, not waste our Star Trek thoughts on empty air? Oh, fine. I'm ready. <laughs> you guys both ready? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I ready is the question. Uh, mm. I think I'm ready. Welcome to episode 11 of... Uh, what the fuck is the name of our show? Beat me to sick bay. I was not ready. I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mira, your host. I'm joined by McFreeze. Hi. And Hayes. I'm never ready. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. I've, you know. I've never been more ready. I, I forgot the name <laughs> of our show, so I'm real doing real good. I was thinking Star Trek. It started with Star Trek. I'm like, Star Trek? That's not right. What is What is it called? Beam Me to Sick Bay. Thank you for coming to Beam Me to Sick Bay. Today we're going to be talking about episode 21 of season one, The Arsenal of Freedom, and episode 22, Symbiosis. Uh, and we have a couple of emails today, too, to get to before we start talking about the show. So uh, let's jump right into those. One second here, McFreeze. I would like you to read this email from London regarding uh, the episode coming of age last week that we talked about mm-hmm. when uh, Wesley's doing his uh, psych test. Mm, yes, the email reads as follows. I think that when Wesley opened the door after saving that guy, the whole cast should have been standing there with a big cake and party hat. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny you should say that because we have a cut scene from this episode where it was going to be Wesley's birthday. What? What? I didn't what? know that. No, they cut Holy that. Holy shit. Uh-huh. What? And then there's a thing where Data says, Worf, how do Klingons celebrate their birthdays? And Worf replies that they do not. Data <laughs> then asks him, how does he know how old he is? Worf replies, he doesn't know. And asks, <laughs> he asks Data, how does he know? And Data replies that he has no age. But that okay. doesn't make any sense. The, none have... of this makes any sense. First of all, <laughs> you can have an age from creation. That makes... What? No, shut up. Data. No, he doesn't have an age. Sorry. He rejects would, age. Also, the idea that Klingons can't tell their own age because they don't have birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can, you can know how old you are without celebrating birthdays. Many old people do it every year. <laughs> no, it's That's impossible, amazing. according to Data. <laughs> Oh man, I should have kept that scene in. That would have ruled. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been deeply stupid and I would have loved it. Oh my God. Thank you for sending this email so we could all learn this bit of trivia about uh, coming of age. (laughs) Thank you, McBreeze. And then, Hayes, you want to read this next one? We got an email from Miracle, but we were talking about you. You posited the question of is, uh, would vegan food, uh, would replicator food be vegan? Was the right. question, and I wanted comments and uh, emails about this because this is something that you raised a good point about. But here's this email that we got from Miracle Butt regarding this. Alrighty, there's a scene in <clears throat> there's a scene in Deep Space Nine where a character talks about the differences of replicated versus hand grown food, and he notes that the computer can never really get it right. If I remember correctly, replicated food is the computer constructing meals out of recycled waste materials. I did not know this. Um, so for the that question as w- about whether replicated food is vegan is moot because it's all made out of poo. 
as for Hayes, if he thinks that tweaking food to taste like meat means the food isn't vegan because one has to taste meat first, ask if he thinks Beyond Meat, a vegan sausage, or vegan cheese aren't actually vegan. Namaste, Miracle Bud. Oh, that's, you know what? That's perfectly valid, actually, I think. Um, Because you are kind of just, you you would have to have a lot of reference food for stuff like Beyond, you know, the, the, the fake burger stuff. Uh, the thing I would also posit is that, yo, that shit doesn't taste like fucking actual meat. I've had it. Wow. <laughs> Just throwing shade at Big Beyond here. I mean, have you guys ever had the Beyond Meat or whatever? It just tastes like, like a like a veggie burger. It tastes like, you know, coagulated like mushroom well, or whatever. I, like, I, it, it's, I've got it's some not... news. It It's a veggie burger. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I wouldn't... <sighs> I, I no, I've actually never had um, Beyond Bean. I don't think I, I've had some veggie burgers. And I don't. I don't hate them, but you, they don't taste like beef. You're right. Yeah, they I don't. I imagine taste a replicator like tastes more like meat, but probably not quite right. And also, I think the character he's talking about in this um, email is is Chief O'Brien. And there's a scene in uh, in Next Generation much later where he's cooking with real meat and uh his wife is like really disgusted by it which is very reasonable i feel like because if you live in a society where everybody replicates food and and this guy has like dead animal flesh that he's cooking that's disgusting like what are you doing Wait, well, if, you, you know like like, he, like, like they just said like replicated food doesn't quite get it 100 percent right you know it's just an approximation so yeah, but that raises what if he's a lot tired of, of the questions. Beyond Meat Merc? What if he wants a real hamburger? I I think it's fucked up. He wants hey. a real hamburger. What's wrong with that? Uh, and also, like, I do have to um, slightly disagree that the point isn't moot because you were saying last week, and uh, this is what made me think it was a good point that you're bringing up is your idea was that they were like taking a plate of lamb chops or whatever and scanning it into the computer and making that the thing that they were copying, right? Right, and I, uh, they might not be doing that. They might be. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how replicators work, but uh, I think if that if they are doing that, that is like it might not be vegan. Just basing it on the taste, though, it would be vegan still. I feel like. Right, right. It, it it's a. Uh, I, I was just kind of doing it as like a fun like thought experiment. I wasn't. I wasn't too serious, but like, yeah. It like where where does it go? Where the, the thing you are literally actually creating is you know maybe not literally meat but essentially taste feels and you know takes the place of meat and you have to use meat as a as a constant reference to make sure you get it right i don't know like i don't know but i i do yeah. like the i do like the comparison of like c- comparing to the stuff like beyond meat where they're obviously using meat as a reference but not as but no one would consider that to be you know not vegan for whatever reason so i think i think that's a fair point i think it's fair counter argument to my flimsy argument <laughs> i think i think the replicator should make those black bean burgers you ever had those i like oh, those. i'm sure it can i'm sure they got that programmed into the replicator yeah those are those are probably in there they got all kinds of food in that replicator um yeah i, I don't know i thought it was also a good thought experiment and that's why i wanted more emails so if you have if you have additional thoughts about this if anybody else that was out there thinking uh, hey, I have an opinion on that. Send us an email, be me to sickbay@gmail.com. I would like to read your continuing emails about vegan food replicators or any thoughts about food replicators. Or if you know how food replicators work or how they're programmed, please let us know. Thank you. And those are our emails for, for today, for this week. Um, that's uh, that's all I got for that. I guess we should talk about the, the, the TV shows. What? Alrighty. I don't want to do that. I just want to talk about <laughs> turning poop into Beyond Meat. 
I would rather talk about that than Arsenal Freedom too, but we have to. So the first episode we're going to be talking about today is the Arsenal of Freedom, and it was first uh, aired on April 11th, 1988, and the teleplay was written by Richard Manning and Hans Beimler, story by Maurice Hurley and Robert Lewin, directed by Les Lindell, and the end universe date is 41798.2, year 2364, soul time. Soul time. Uh, in this episode, the Enterprise is a um, weapons seller. Boom. Um, I don't know how to describe this episode. Let me just read what memory alpha has this to episode, say. This uh, episode, the Enterprise goes searching for a ship that's lost to Starfleet, and they're... <laughs> Hello, McReese's cat. Um, <laughs> and the, they're trying to, you know, they're going to find out what happened to the missing USS Drake when they come into contact with a planet that should have people on it and is known for selling weapons. But all the all the people are gone. That works. I, I, didn't know how to, I didn't know how to describe this episode because, like, nothing really happens in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Okay, so I, I liked this episode in spite of itself um, because it has a lot of great moments in it, I think. Uh, Crusher and Picard have some good moments together. Um, uh, Jordy fucking gets to be his own guy. Like he gets to kind of shine in this episode, which I really like. You know, he gets to actually feel like he matters in a weird way. Um, yeah, Tasha we Yard does something this episode. We were talking about how there was no Jordy episode in season one, but I think this is actually a Jordy episode because he really does shine in this episode. Like he gets to he gets to be the main man in charge and stand up to the chief engineer and. Right. Spoiler, he yeah. does a saucer sep. It's so Same cool. Thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think this is definitely a season one episode, but it's not, you know, it could be a lot worse. You we know, have seen a lot very, worse, yeah. It's very goofy. The the main downside of this episode, um, which befalls a lot of, which, you know, hurts a lot of uh, shows and TV over the years, is that it doesn't make any fucking sense when you think about it at all. Oh, when you get oh, to no, the big no, twist, no. when, when, when you find out how they defeat the, the threat, or when you think about how the threat interacts, like, none of this makes any, any sense, but that's okay. I will say, actually, the resolution of this episode is probably my favorite thing about it, just because it's so silly. Like, no, that, it made <laughs> me so mad. <laughs> well, okay, it's funny. Oh it's God. funny, like in the moment, but then you think about it, and it's like, wait a minute, why was this ever a problem? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Look, we needed to fill forty-four minutes. Is the reason? I guess. So this is about a- the dumbest extin- extinction of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just no, nobody thought to buy the thing. You know, I I didn't think about it from that perspective, and that is much funnier. <laughs> we left it on. How do you turn it off? Oh, well, nobody can died. figure it out. They didn't. They didn't code the selling program very well. I feel like maybe no, they didn't. I do. I do like that they base it off a used car car salesman, though. Oh, he was great. He's great. I love that guy. He's he's a fantastic character. Yeah, the actor who plays him is really good. Um, so the episode starts, uh, like I said, gave him the description. Starfleet has ordered the Enterprise to search in the Lorenz cluster and investigate the dip- disappearance of uh, the cruiser Drake, which was used in the system trying to unravel a mystery of a uh, missing intelligent life on the planet Minos. Like all the intelligent life on the planet just zoop gone. Um, and Minos was known as being an arms merchant uh, in a previous war to both sides of the war. 
Uh, and Riker knows the captain of the Drake too. He says he went to the academy with him and that he was uh, arrogant, but usually a right man. He gives a lengthy description of the guy, which is funny considering what happens in the episode. But uh, <laughs> um, and we also learn that this this is the first time we learn that Riker has been previously offered a captainship of the Drake because Worf says, "Hey, weren't you offered the captainship of the Drake?" Uh, but he declined it to be the first officer on the Enterprise because he thought it would be a better opportunity. That seems crazy to me, right? I guess not. Mm. I get the I get I get the that the Enterprise is like this prestigious ship, you know, it's the the heart and soul of the Star, Starfleet. It's great, you know, it's it's doing things no other ship or command really gets to do. But it's like you could be the your own like commander or captain of a ship, right? Like wouldn't that be more uh, prestigious? Over yeah, time? but I think it it says a lot about Riker where he doesn't want to just be a captain. He wants to be the best captain. Like he's, he's got ambitions to be the greatest Starfleet captain. So he's going to take every opportunity to learn the best. And he was going to be on the best ship uh, in the Federation. Yeah. Yeah. Doing that. So that's, that's why he turned down that captainship. Um, and they, they're also speculating about what could have happened to all the people on the planet. Like, could it have been a war? Could it have been a plague? And uh, Tasha's like, well, even with that stuff, there's still always survivors. So it does, what the hell happened to the people? Um, and she raises a good point. There probably should be survivors on the planet. You'd think. <laughs> you would no. think. Um, and then there, there, the there's planet. like, I forget. Did they say there's like no life other than plants? There's or no were there life. Like, were there animals? Well, they said there were animals. There was no intelligent life. There was no okay, humans. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and the, they're hailed from the planet uh, that has no life signs on it. By um, a, a recording, it seems like, of uh, this used car salesman guy, uh, the actor, by the way, <laughs> named, uh, he was so good, I named, wrote down his name as Vincent Chevalli. He's the okay. only, the only man in the future with a Brooklyn accent, and I love him. <laughs> Maybe everybody on the planet had a Brooklyn accent, and they're all dead now. Oh, no! Accents are eliminated. No! <laughs> um but he's he's trying to tell them that their weapons are the greatest and peace through superior firepower is their motto and they don't just sell weapons they sell weapon systems and they shut off the recording oh honestly this is entirely unrelated but uh seeing that dude trying to sell like weapons it just all it did is it was uh make me think of the guy from from just from dust till dawn in front of the titty twister in my head sorry go uh, <laughs> i wrote no i actually i wrote down his pitch here because i liked it so much he says if you need a little something special be it for one target or multiple targets we got it you'll see it here on minos <laughs> he's great he's great at his job he, yeah I, he makes me want to buy a weapon you know what it made me think of was uh the arms dealer in metal gear solid 4 for some reason just the oh, oh, Trevin. Like that. you didn't yeah. have to mention him we could Listen, have gone the rest of our lives about, <laughs> i don't remember much about that game i just remember the concept of the weapon selling in that because i never actually played that game i just saw the movie version mgs4 is a video game yeah i think it <laughs> You raise a good point in that the salesman should have had a monkey who buys Coke from a Coke machine. Yeah. Yeah, and who smokes cigarettes. Yeah. That's an important part. Um, so they speculate, though, the uh, people in the Enterprise, that if that system is working down there, then other systems like weapon systems may be functional and they should send an away team to go check it out. But Tasha stops uh, Commander Riker and says, I got a strategy here. We're going to just send a small mobile away team to scout it out first. Which is like, you always send small teams, but okay, Tasha. He's, he's just like, yeah, that's a good idea. But it is a good idea, but you literally always do this. 
Yeah. So I don't know what's different about and, it. And you always you use something. the most critical members of your fucking fleet or of your ship to do it for some reason. <laughs> I'm not going to question it anymore. I get so it. It's just, it's just what the show is. They're the only like, ones who are leveled up high enough. It's a self-fulfilling loop. It's like XCOM. Like you can only send like, well, we can only send yeah. three people. That's all we have permission for for this mission. So you got to send our three level, level ten guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very um, silly. So they go down to the soundstage planet that's uh, the quote unquote heavily forested with uh, a lot of plastic trees. It looks like they buy hey, a lot of they buy a lot of fake trees at Sam's Club. They got a, enough. It's, this is a this is a nice looking jungle we've got here. Nice looking is very generous. There's this a few a scenes where this it's a believable jungle. A jungle. Well, I mean, there's a few scenes where it's recognizably a jungle, but the the opening scene where they're showing like the top down view, it does not look anything like a jungle. No, They've got like, like a couple no. scattered plants, and it's very obviously a soundstage. The lighting like- in this episode too is really weird. Like, did you guys notice that? It seems really desaturated on the bridge of the Enterprise, and then all the lighting on the planet seems really unnatural. Well, yeah, it's like all it's like there. It's completely flat lighting. Um, it's a thing a lot of TV shows do to kind of keep the uh continuity up with the lighting rather than like have any kind of dynamic lighting that might look off in a different shot if they have to like reposition things they just do completely flat overhead lightning that looks uniform at all locations so it's it's easier for them to do yeah i know it looks terrible it looks especially (laughs) bad in this episode for some reason like it hasn't bothered me on previous soundstage planets but this episode is like really bad Uh, i guess having a big jungle with a flat blue sky that you can see almost all the time. It doesn't work great. The blue, no. the blue sky is really. They, I guess. What do you really do about it? I'd almost have them do like a pink, really alien color sky rather than just what they have here, which looks very, very cheesy. It, it looks alien, though. I'll give them that. I mean, it doesn't look like Earth, that's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're. Uh, the communications are being monitored, observes data, but they don't know by who because, again, there's nobody alive on the planet. And they find some uh, tritanium wreckage melted by something beyond their technology, Tasha says. Like, oh, I don't know what this is. beyond our technology. Uh, and data finds a big weapon covered in dead vines that looks like an evil scientist death ray. It does. <laughs> I like the evil scientist death is, ray. Is um, the tritanium, is that like what starships are made out of or something? Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay so the implication is that that's the whatever is left over of uh, I don't know the Drake, I guess of the Drake. Yeah, they never, never really say that out loud, but I, th- I feel like that's the implication. I never commit any of the fake minerals to memory, so it could be anything. It yeah, tritanium anything. was an ore known to be twenty-one point four times as hard as diamond. That's stupid. Um, widely used construction material. The bulkheads of the Enterprise are composed of tritanium, and so I imagine the Drakes probably are too. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, that's what oh, Starship's this, made of. This reminded me that the, another problem with this episode is it keeps making me think of the episode of Seinfeld where they're always talking about the Drake. And they're also saying the Drake. They always say, watched, I hate the Drake. I never watched Seinfeld. You never watched wow. Seinfeld? Oh, no. It's time to start a new podcast. I'm actually not a big Seinfeld fan, uh, but I have seen all of it several times because it was in syndication <laughs> for like 40 years. I hate Seinfeld. I've watched it five times. <laughs> you know what's a good Seinfeld episode is uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's a good Seinfeld That's true. episode. That's, that is a good scene. <laughs> you, you can't deny this. Um, so on the bridge, we have this uh, 
We have two people that we don't know uh, manning the con on the bridge right now. Uh, one of them is Ensign Sue, and she's telling Riker that she found an energy reading. Uh, and Riker can't see anything through the thick underbrush, which this is the scene where I agree that it looks like an actual jungle. But he stumbles across uh, Captain Rice. Captain Rice is just standing there in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And oh. Riker speaks to him. Um, and uh, they're like, oh, how, how are you doing? I was worried about you. And he's like, oh, I'm here, you know. <laughs> he's like asking him questions. Uh, Rice is asking Riker questions and and uh, stuff about who who's with him and how many people are with him. And then uh, Picard hails Riker to let him know there are still no other life signs on the planet but the away team. But they are getting some energy readings right nearby. And he's like, oh, damn it. So Wait, This is <laughs> Cap- really good because uh, Riker comes up to him and he says, hey, Rice, where did you come from? And he just kind of pauses and goes, I was over there. Yeah. And <laughs> Riker, is not, is, really Riker is not, has no suspicion of any of this until he is told to be suspicious. It's wonderful. By two different people. Well, <laughs> later, Data comes up and says the exact same fucking thing. Yeah, he says it like 10 seconds later. But um, I, <laughs> I think uh, Riker was probably just excited because he thought his friend was dead. And he's like, oh, my friend is alive. So he wasn't thinking too clearly right. for, and done for a second. But then I love this scene because it plays out where Riker just starts fucking with him. Yes. Well, <laughs> it, it, he, he keeps trying to probe Riker for information on the Enterprise. What, what, what's the uh, where are the armaments on the Enterprise? You know, it's only what's. What what way what weapon capabilities does it have? And Riker realizes he's just trying eight. to be, you know, you know, he's just trying to be probed for information. He says, "Our show. top speed is warp three. What's yours?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which also that that's a good reason why he didn't take the captainship of the Drake. Imagine going warp three as your top speed, oh, man. That's man. sad. Yeah, that's so weak. Um, but I, I wrote down what my favorite part of this conversation was. Tell me about your ship, Riker. It's the Enterprise, isn't it? No, the name of my ship is the Lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. It's the good ship, Lollipop. Didn't he also ask, like, 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 what, like, what is your ship capable of, or like, like, uh, how many weapons does it have? And Riker just says, "Hmm, ten. He's like, yeah, "What? No, what, 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 what does that is. mean? What, what are you talking about?" <laughs> Riker just looks away. Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just starts shouting numbers at him, and then he just starts yelling at him, like, "I know you're not Captain Rice. You haven't even called me by my first name. What's my first name? What's all my first name, huh?" And then yeah. uh, he just goes away, he zoops away uh, into a drone that's standing nearby. Which these drones? Uh, how would you guys describe these drones? Like, um, physically, they look like oh, I had it in my head about what what they looked like earlier. They just look, kind of look like stereotypical spaceship model things. You know what I mean? They're kind of like these like curved little droids that have like a little tail that kind of points up. They they look like um I don't know if you if you guys have ever played Monster Rancher. They look like the eyeball monster from Monster Rancher. That's that's my description. I only remember him from being on TV, and I hated him. <laughs> but I'm right though. Is the thing? Does he look like? I don't think he looks that much. Like I eyeball don't monster. know if he looks like that. Doesn't the eyeball? Or am I thinking of just the RM in in uh, Final Fantasy? That have the wings. He just, I just come up with that when I think of him. Yeah, and maybe or, he doesn't uh, doing some Monster Rancher. I don't know. I've never played a Monster Rancher. Monsters Inc. guy is also that. I wrote down <laughs> that they kind of look like trash cans. Because <laughs> they do kind of look like trash cans. But they're like oh, grass see. colored and they're, they're egg shaped on top and they have the tail with a little box on the bottom. But they, they just remind me of like high tech trash cans. We have a, an explanation here. Oh, fuck, he here. does look like the eyeball. Okay, right? you're right. The it mini- doesn't look like the ball. The miniature was built by visual effects supervisor Dan Curry, 
using an old legs pantyhose container and a shampoo bottle. Oh, that's where uh. this is really. Oh, that's really impressive. It does look like something. Yeah. It's yeah, it doesn't something. look like pantyhose. That's for sure. You got that right. So, uh, how much of a threat it does is this? it does? Just kind of just hover around and shoot a laser. So, so well, Mark, how, it, if, how much of a threat is this thing at first? At first, it, uh, it literally like traps Commander Riker in a stasis field, and they don't yes. even know if he's alive or dead. He can't; they can't warp him off the planet or, <laughs> or read him at all. Uh, so, it's a kind of a threat. It's a little bit of a threat. And um, <laughs> the bridge—they're uh, on the bridge now, and they think that he's in. Oh, we're not in the bridge anymore. Why? No, so they they uh, they're like, oh, there's the droid. They fucking blast it out of the they blast it out of the sky. It explodes into a million pieces, but not before firing off like a stasis field at. Riker. Yeah, well, Riker is stuck in the egg, and then we go dun dun dun, dun and then dun, we're on the dun. bridge. Yeah, and this is when Picard says, "Aha! Now that that guy's out of the way, no one can stop me from beaming down to the planet." Yeah, this doesn't <laughs> make any fuck. Why does he need to go down to the planet? Because. And Troy too, like Troy is right there, and because she's like, can. "I really am advising against this, Captain." And he's like, "Fuck you, I'm going anyway." He's <laughs> he by, the way, by, by the way, I'm taking the only doctor on the ship with me later. <laughs> well, at least Doctor Crusher going down makes sense because when he's trapped in a stasis field, and they might need medical attention, whatever. But why the captain? He does not need to go down there, whatever. But it leaves Jordy in charge to. of the ship, which is the important part. Yes. <laughs> it leaves Jordy in charge of the ship. Uh, and also, um, Tasha and Data are talking about the the thing, and they think that he might be in like a, a storage stasis until someone comes and collects him for information or something. Right, um, right. So they're a little concerned about that as well. So Data is uh, and- trying to. He's like, I gotta find the frequency that he's stuck in, and he starts like zapping him with a dumb tricorder thing. Yeah, he's like, I don't know how dangerous this is going to be to the commander, and then zap, zap, zap. <laughs> yeah, we'll just <laughs> keep going. Because hey, like, what's the like, hey, go for it. We don't got time for this. <laughs> well, yeah, they can't, they can't leave him on the planet that way because uh, they can't beam him off. Uh, but, so he's, he's working on that. Uh, but while they're figuring, they're trying to figure that out. There's yet another droid that comes hunting for them. Yep, and it's this one's firing lasers at him, green laser beams, and. Uh, Picard and Crusher like run away in terror from this this droy- drone <laughs> and fall into so a far hole. Away. <laughs> they fall into a fucking hole no. under the ground. I can't uh, believe this is our nemesis for the episode is a hole. <laughs> I thought this was and, the uh, best part of the episode, honestly. The, the Crusher. <laughs> well, I'm not even joking. I thought the 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 Crusher and Picard part of the episode was, but that was my favorite part, honestly. It was it was all right. I mean, it's there's parts that I really have some complaints about, but um, <laughs> we'll get to that. It looks like though in the fall, Doctor Crusher looks pretty injured. Um, in in fall, but Captain Picard's weirdly okay. Uh, well, and she, up- he he had a, he had a, a doctor break his fall. I think. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> that might be what broke her leg. Um, <laughs> and up on the surface, Tasha's trying to kill the drone, but it's adjusting to her movements and anticipating them. So she needs Data's help, and the two of them have to fire together to to kill the damn thing. Uh, and then they are like, "Oh, where's the captain and the doctor?" Huh? So Tasha goes to call. They go to call them first, and they realize their comms aren't working. Nobody's comms are working now. So Tasha goes to search for them while Data continues to zap Riker. Um, and meanwhile, in the hole, Crusher's arm is broken. Yeah. Picard tries to beam them up also, but they also discover their communications are down. And so Picard like makes a splint for Crusher's arm um, by like, I'm sorry about this, rips her jacket apart. <laughs> <laughs> that was my nice jacket. 
She loses a lot of jackets. Remember when the lore set um. went on fire? <laughs> Wait, what? Laura no, set her jacket Laura, on fire. She, he shot at her, and her jacket caught on fire immediately. Oh, right, right. He kind of zaps her arm. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I would never forget. Um, and she also says she must stay conscious because I guess she has a concussion too. You don't have to stay conscious if you've got a broken arm, right? You want you're not going to like bleed to death faster if you're asleep. No, I no. think I think like yeah, you don't. Uh, yeah, if you have a bad concussion, you do not want to fall asleep. And my understanding is that it gives you pretty bad brain damage. Yeah. I don't understand why someone, somebody who's a doctor should email a show and tell us why. That I, I, I think it's damage. also just if you have, I listen, I'm not a doctor, any doctors right in now, but um, I think if you have like a lot of like blood loss and you fall asleep, I think you're, I think you depressurize more or something like you, hmm. you kind of need to like stay awake. So your body is like still kind of fighting. I don't know. Anything I said would be made up. So yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, Natasha goes back and tells Data that she can't find him, but Data's like, it's okay, because I freed Commander Riker and frees him right away. Yay! And then they resume searching for uh, the Captain and Dr. Crusher. Did they already blow up the droid at this point? Yeah, it was, she, Tasha and Data had to work together to blow it up, but then uh, right. Tasha went to go search, and Data was still zapping the Riker. Right, right, right. Uh, and on the bridge, they can see that Riker's free, and Jordy's like, oh, thank goodness, we can get them all out of there, and goes to beam them up. But suddenly the shields are up because they're being attacked by an unknown vessel. No. Ah, man. And the object is firing at them and disappearing and they can't keep a lock on it. But it's strong enough that it's going to take their shields down. It's very, very concerning. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where we get a new chief engineer in this episode. Chief engineer Logan uh, comes up to complain that they need to leave orbit because they're taking a beating. And um, make, Logan, wait, you want to talk about parts that don't make any uh, sense? This oh, episode, don't worry Logan about makes it. no sense. His motivations. Logan is just here to antagonize Jordy. Like that's the only reason he exists yeah. in the show. He's just, he's just a prick. He's like, uh, he's like Keith David and fucking the thing. Where no matter uh, what Dutch does, he's always gonna be pissed off. Yeah, I, he drove me insane with that, and he really, I think he just hates Jordy. Yeah, he does. He's like, eh, <laughs> but he's Logan like, wants. He's this guy we've never seen before, and he says, "Actually, uh, you should give command to me. I think this should happen." Yeah, <laughs> well, he does outrank Jordy, which is a good point. But he's also like, "No, Captain Picard gave the ship to me. Fuck you, buddy. Go back to yeah. engineering." You know who um, outranks him is Troy. Yeah, but Troy doesn't do anything. <laughs> we could. all know Troy. To... <laughs> no, she can't. <laughs> I think she's she literally can... not trained to run the ship. It. She, she, all Troy gets to do is to say that people feel concerned about an object or another person. Everybody's tense. Thank Everybody's you. Everybody's they tense. are. <laughs> Thanks, Troy. <laughs> you really needed your special abilities to tell that. She's uh, helping, okay. But they um, couldn't have done like it without her. Like, like the part in the second episode where people are like, like fighting over that stupid barrel that gets transported over, and like five minutes later, Troy is like, "I think they're concerned about this barrel. I can sense it." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thank Troy. <laughs> She's very helpful. Um, so yeah, Logan wants command of the ship, and Jordy's like, "No," uh, but he, Logan's also like, "We can't beat that thing. We need to run away from it, or we're gonna die." And Jordy's like telling Worf, "Hey, what if we try to anticipate its pattern?" Uh, and so they're all figuring that out. And the two the two guys at the con are also working on that. And they're all programming together. And uh, Logan tells Jordy that he's, that Jordy is not taking advantage of his greater knowledge and experience. And Jordy's like, no, I am. I'm counting on you. Uh, go back to engineering and do your fucking job. Yes, <laughs> I need please. Every, every scrap of energy to the shield so we don't die. And Logan's like, 
fine. Walks away. And, and Troy is just awkwardly watching Jordy through this whole thing. She, she's like staring at him. It's a good thing they made Jordy the chief engineer eventually, because this guy sucks. No one wants him on the ship. Wait, does that mean Jordy I... leaves the, the bridge? It's not like he's not in every episode still, so don't worry. Yeah. Oh. I think okay, he still sorry. gets to be on the bridge sometimes, too. Like, I don't understand how that works, but I think he still mans the con occasionally, <laughs> even though he's the chief hey, engineer. No. I don't he's remember. He's got a lot of hats. Well. He doesn't wear any hats. I don't know what you're talking about. He's Thought got a lot of visors. <laughs> We're still searching for the captain and data. Uh, oops. Uh, for the captain and crusher. My notes are wrong. It's like, so I'm like, <laughs> these in a hurry this morning. <laughs> and <laughs> so, suddenly they're fired upon. Um, and then Data Dundevil throws Tasha out of the way. Oh, fucking eats her. So, yeah. fucking, oh my god. Yeah, I'm I not cannot... someone who normally notices stunt doubles and stuff in shows, but that was the most obvious stunt Why do they even bother? I cannot describe the joy I get every time I see a Data stunt double. <laughs> it is so amazing how they can make them look so unlike Data. I'm impressed every time. The, the build was just totally different. Well, you needed someone that can fucking eat someone, you know? <laughs> yes, and he does eat her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they try to fire on the drone, uh, all three of them. Well, not all three of them yet, but this time uh, it's adjusted and it has deflector shields. Yeah. And so the two of them alone can't do it, and Riker has to also shoot at it. So all three I of love... them are sitting in the bushes shooting at the. I love that our story is this system is so smart it learns and adapts to improve itself and so the way that we defeat it is just to shoot it with more guns at the same time <laughs> that's that's an arms race for you man that's how it works <laughs> also um i guess the entire planet known for its like weapons and everything somehow was not able to defeat the first model of the evil murder droid which is just a shitty asteroid that gets blown up in one hit well, no, I assume that they beat the first model, but then the subsequent models kept coming. So what happened to those subsequent models? They probably uh, went back to sleep because their demonstration was over. They had nobody to demonstrate to. Oh, okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I'll take that. that. That makes sense to me. I don't know. I didn't, as much sense as this episode can possibly make, that's what makes sense to me. Um, so they so, destroyed... so doesn't make the resolution of this episode make any sense. <laughs> oh, it makes perfect sense. I love it. Uh, <laughs> they destroyed the drone, and Data says that they, they seem to be appearing every 12 minutes exactly. And so Tasha thinks the next one will probably end them because they don't have a fourth person to shoot at it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so, so they continue to search for the others. Because if they have five people, then hey, maybe they have a chance. Um, meanwhile, Picard is talking to Crusher about the structure they're in and trying to keep her awake. She's very sleepy. Well, she's dying, maybe. I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't joke. She's leaving because she's, she's dying. She's yeah. like, actually, my leg is fucked up, too. And Picard's Yeah, like, she says she I must see. have lost a lot of blood. And Picard's like, oh, I stopped the bleeding and looks at her arm. And she's like, no, my leg, which she failed to mention until now, is also wounded. It was under a bunch of dirt. So Oh, this is the scene I wanted to complain sight. about. Yeah, there's a bunch of sand and, and Picard has to brush it off. I'm like, oh, yeah, your leg is bleeding. Oh, no. Uh, and there, it is gushing blood, apparently. So um, and he, they don't know where her medical kit is. It got lost in the fall. Mm -hmm. uh, so she uh, like, OK, we need something to stop the blood and magically guides him to a, a route that happens to be nearby that works as a styptic. Like mm 
of all the coincidences in the fucking world like oh try that root over there and she makes him like taste it is it bitter okay rub it on your hand how does it how does it uh change color and he's like yeah it's turning yellow okay that's the stuff like how? okay so fucking like th- this this makes no sense at all like on a completely different planet there's an identical root that was growing on a like a planet that crusher grew up on right like how does that work I don't even uh, think she she grew up on Earth. I thought she said she grew up on a uh, colony on Tarvin. No, that was her grandma. They get to that no, later. We'll talk no, no, about no. that. They they talk about oh, is that her grandma? Because she mm-hmm. said like oh, you're like was your mother a doctor or something? She said she said no, my mother. Uh, she was just grew up on a colony where where which is where I also grew up. She didn't say she grew up there. I thought so. Okay. No. I don't mean, we'll get to that in a second. We'll talk about it, but I'll yeah. I'll go, I'll walk you through it. But no, nah, I'm pretty sure she grew up on Earth. Um, maybe she didn't. I don't know. Maybe she grew up on that colony, but I don't think she did because of reasons that we'll get to when we talk about that colony. All right. So Picard rubs the root all over her leg uh, to stop the bleeding and is trying to keep her awake and talking. And um, and they have this cute scene, which this is a cute moment where they're talking. Um, and he's like, "Okay, doctor, uh, you have a patient that's that's injured. What do you do?" And and she's like, "Okay, well, your patient's going into shock. You need to raise your legs and uh, warm her up." And there's this really cute ending of this scene where um, she says she's she's cold and she's like, "Oh, do, do you have a blanket?" And he's like, "No." And I, I look, look she's giving him makes me think that she's trying to suggest to him, "Hey, you should cuddle with me for warmth." And he does not pick up that hint and just walks away looking for an exit. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, she tried." I, I, I was saying. Picard, you should take off your shirt and give it to her, which would also have been a good uh, solution for that. He doesn't do that either. I think I they should have cuddled. It. He probably does need it, yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole herb thing. And they've also had previous scenes with her. Like, remember that time that Picard was sick and she brought him like an herbal tea in bed? They really mm-hmm. like push, like she knows herbs or something. And it, I, I guess it's just a character trait, but it's kind of weird, I think. I feel like I don't like it because she's a female doctor and I feel like that makes her seem less professional as a doctor. Mm. You know what I mean? I, um, yeah. I, I feel like she's always able, I, like, you know, she is like the professional one, like during every single crisis that's like happened so far. Like, I don't really think that per se. I, I don't know. I feel I get some sexism vibes off of that character trait. I, it just maybe that's just me. I don't know. If you agree with me, yeah. email the show at beamedsickbay.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep pushing that until people email and agree with me. To me, that was more of just like a science thing, which is, yeah, I, I, I see that as more like a, I, not science as much as like an op- apothecary thing, which is adjacent to doctors. So I thought that's what this show is going for. Yeah, more but so. like, like that's traditional woman healing is like using herbs and roots and shit and um and then like scientific medical doctoring is man territory and I I feel like that's that's why it reads to me as sexist. Anyway, on hmm. on the bridge, Jordy is still trying to kill the mysterious aggressor, and uh, they've they've figured out a program for the pattern. Jordy's like guiding Ensign Sue, and she's like, I can't figure this out, and he just goes over and hits a button. She's like, Oh, thank you, <laughs> which is cute. Um, but the shields are beginning to fail, uh, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna attempt to fire on this," and they they try, uh, and and even Logan is like calling and saying like, "Oh, we gotta do something about this," uh, but they fire at it and they miss it. So I held up for nothing. Yeah, they did try, but <laughs> like, at this point, Worf, Jordy looks Worf like he's starting. Good, 
Worf does a good, ah, dang it. He's so mad. <laughs> he hates to lose. Um, and uh, Jordy's starting to panic at this point. And he says, uh, Logan, who's on the comm, tells him to come up to the bridge. So after the commercial break, Worf is telling Jordy uh, their deflectors are almost down. And Logan appears on the bridge. And Jordy uh, orders the Enterprise to run away. At the point where, where Logan, who's, this was Logan's idea earlier, remember? No, sure like, was. <laughs> he's like, you're leaving them on the planet? And Jordy's like, we could all die here. There's thousands of people on this ship that I'm responsible for. And he's like, well, you have a responsibility to the people down there as well. And it's like, Logan, dude, what do you want? They got the script mixed up at some point. They had to have because it doesn't make any sense. Because at one point, Jordy's the one that's all gung-ho about staying and trying to make sure they get back on the ship before they leave. And now Jordy's like, no, I have a duty to protect everyone on the ship. And it, 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 like, it's totally, totally flipped. I think they just got confused somehow when writing this. I think Logan just exists to complain about anything. Because Jordy comes up with the perfect solution and Logan still complains about it. I, I guess. Yeah. And Jordy's solution is he's going to fly away, uh, keep the keep the people on the ship safe, and do a saucer sap! Yay! Saucer sap! So he, he says, uh, Logan, I'm giving you command of the saucer section. Dun, 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 dun. Got him. Got him. Got him. <laughs> but he still thinks this is a bad idea for some reason, even though literally like everybody on the ship will be safe, and he's still trying to rescue the people on the planet, but it's not good enough for Logan. I don't know what the fuck he wants. Is, is the they said the uh, the ship is like more agile after they do a saucer step, right? Like it's better at doing mm-hmm. fighting stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's much more maneuverable. I'm reading something here um, from the director of this episode. The episode was in creative turmoil and going through a massive last minute rewrite. In five years, that was the only time the company had to shut down because there was no script to be shot. Oh no. oh no well that explains a lot of things about this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah and jordy goes to the captain's ready room and he's doing his captain he shit of looking out the window and looking at a monitor and that's when uh, uh troy goes in to, to join him and she's saying uh like you know it's my job to to watch uh people on the crew and make sure they're doing okay and he's like you can tell i'm nervous you know i'm scared shitless i know I, there's a lot going on i think it's reasonable and she's like no yeah that's totally reasonable and you're handling it great you're doing fantastic uh she just came in there to tell him that his two uh little ensigns on the con were nervous as hell and not doing so great and right. so she's like you have to give them confidence and i don't know really what her plan is she's, you have to give them confidence and he's like ah oh, like captain card gives to me but I feel like he wasn't being mean to them or anything, or he was being a good captain to them. They didn't communicate this well. I thought, like, the idea of it was good, where, like, you know, obviously those the ensigns were, like, good at their jobs. They just, like, didn't have, like, the experience of being, like, in a really harrowing situation like this. And, like, yeah. I could see if they actually communicated or gave those characters character at all. That would be, like, a better moment where, like, maybe to... Well, I don't know. Maybe if like Sue had like kind of screwed something up, or if, what was the other guy's name? Solus, Silas, Solus, or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I wrote it down. Um, he if like if they like he or her were like kind of messed something up, or were clearly like distressed about something, I think that would have come off more as like a like, like that moment would have worked a bit more. But I, I still like this moment for Troy where she is like you know saying like, "Hey, Jordy, like given the circumstances, you're doing a good job, bud. You just need to make sure we all like." Everyone knows that like, everyone has that kind of confidence uh, in you that they do in Picard and like, you know, kind of sp- spread the spread the love around, buddy. Like, 
I, I kind of like that moment, honestly. Yeah, it's a good moment. I wish it had had a better payoff because what it actually does is really stupid. But it's, that's oh, it's really, episode. it's like, I, well, you think it's going to be like more subtle than it is than a fucking speech. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's so oh. patronizing. He's the, look, oh. he's the coach now. He's got all of his middle school kids in the locker room and he's ready to motivate them. Yeah, he takes he takes those those two and Worf to the battle bridge or who's going to be commanding the battle bridge and everybody else is down on the saucer separate section. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the crew. And they go back to Minos. I will say the one thing you have to give this episode, Mark, is that it makes the use out of like every single member on the enterprise as much as they can. There's a lot of episodes. Every, don't. every single member you say, well, listen, you, you think Wesley's there might got, be somebody Wesley's got missing? Cool off. <laughs> Wesley's got to cool off after last step. Yeah. Wesley's not in this episode at all. So. Uh, I even wrote that down. I was like, this, where's this Wesley? Might, this Wesley might genuinely be, the, even though it was a very small part, this might be the most, like, the best episode Troy's had so far, which is not a strong compliment, but I, I'm struggling to think of another episode where she's, like, had a good moment. Yeah, it says a lot about how they write Troy, really. Because yeah. you're not yeah. wrong. Um, <laughs> so, meanwhile, down in the hole, in the death hole, Picard's looking around their cave and trying to find an exit, and he still can't. And Crusher tells him that if he does find an exit to get the hell out of there, uh, he's like, no, I'm not going to leave you. And she's like, uh, I still am about to go to sleep. I need to sleep. And Bogart's trying to keep her awake by asking her how she knew about the roots. And this is where she talks about her grandma. She says that she knew about her roots because her um, her grandma taught her. And and Picard asks, oh, is she a doctor? And and, he, and she goes, no. And oh, was she a botanist then? No. Her Her grandma had helped colonize a planet, which I did not write down the name of. But uh, apparently the colony had gone very badly, they imply, um, and uh, had failed terribly because she talks about when they ran out of medical supplies on the colony, then they had to go to the local uh, fauna to figure out what to use for medicine. And that's how she learned about herbs and roots and all that shit. And then she taught that to Beverly later. So Beverly didn't grow up on that colony because that colony uh, failed. I looked looked up to avoid an email and... uh... Because I, I swear I wrote it down that she was on there, and I, I looked up in the uh, on Memory Alpha, and apparently she was there on that planet. What on the colony? I'm, I'm gonna link it to you. I'm gonna link it to you. No, I'm looking this. I'm gonna find this Memory Both Alpha. the Howards were were present during the terrible disaster at the Arvada Three Colony. Both the Howards. I thought that, that was that, that, that's her maiden name. I guess isn't that her and her mother and grandmother? No, I think it said that when I was looking, but I don't know. Uh, oh, Arvada. Is it really Arvada? Arvada. Yeah, I thought it was Arvada. Arvada, Arvada. Yeah, there's a there's a city here called Arvada. That's what confused me. Um, this was the site of a major disaster, and the young Beverly Howard and her grandmother Felisa were present to help survive. Okay, fine, fine. All right, I guess I'm wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> Show. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like that that is not what they said in this episode, and I think that somebody is making the same interpretation of this episode that you are and putting it in this in this wiki page. How but, come well, I have to be wrong? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go line by line. I'm gonna let you know later. Okay, you do All that. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, that's why she knows so about boots. <laughs> I'm not. I'm never right about anything. I want to be right. I feel like I'm right. I always that's a, it's okay that I'm never right about anything because I always feel like I'm right, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> no. 
Um, but Picard finds something glowing, uh, like a like a little red glow, and he realizes it's a view screen, and he brushes it off, uh, and he's like, oh, it's still working, and he pushes a button, and then suddenly this whole console lights up in front of him like a freaking slot machine, um, and he's looking at the display, and it looks like a tracking device, like it's tracking uh, three people up top, the away oh team. Oh, my <gasps> God. And then suddenly a holographic image appears, the peddler from the beginning of the episode uh, that was used car salesman in them shows up and tries to use car salesman them yeah I, I just realized who he reminds me of he reminds me of uh stan from monkey island he even has like the kind of like uh that kind of like gaudy coat on too that never played a monkey island yeah. oh they're so good hey join, join a new podcast where i get mark to play every single monkey island game uh i'm not a big graphic adventure person uh there uh. you can play them well the uh the remakes of one and two have like a thing where they just like tells you what to do next or gives you hints. Well, that sounds even worse than just playing a graphic adventure. <laughs> no, the, the the point isn't really like having to figure out every little thing. Like you can figure out what you can, and then you just use a guide to kind of like get you along. the The point is that they have like fun writing. Okay, I'm not here. I'm not here to sell you on Monkey Island. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sure it's a great series. I'm sure it's great. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. Okay, before we go any farther. Okay, last week I said that. Um, they were sp- supposed to have Crusher say that she likes Picard, and I was mistaken. That was supposed to be in this episode when they were in the hole, oh, and they kind of I... they kind of wrote it out to be extremely vague instead. So, like, that... um, well, okay, well, right here she's like, Picard is like. There must be a lot of things I don't know about you. And she says, oh, quite a few. And then Picard goes, huh? Did you say something? Look at this computer. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's so vague He's that so you can unless, I think, I don't know, unless you know that's what they're going for. I don't know if you even think of it. See, I, I would put the, uh, want him, her trying to hint that he should cuddle with her as more of a, more of a feelings thing but that that might also be just me interpreting it that way also because it was not uh not very obvious yeah picard Um, only loves uh uh the enterprise exactly he loves the vastness of space and nothing else (laughs) he loves books remember that time he opened the door to the vastness of space he just shut the door maybe he doesn't love the vastness of space that much that wasn't um, the vastness of space. That was like a hell room. There was <laughs> there was no space in there. It was just like pitch black. He loves space, That's but space. he doesn't want to get. What do you mean? There's, 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 there are stars in space, typically. There, there were stars. stars in that room. No, there were there. Yeah, he was just he was looking at space. That's all it was. I, think, I, I thought it was just like pitch black, just like blackness, no. and nothing else. No, I think he, he loves that. space, but he just doesn't want that kind of commitment to space. You know, also that makes he, sense. Yeah, he he is kind of a commitment phobe. Maybe he doesn't want to have his eyeballs explode out of his head or something. Yeah, probably that too. Um, and so while they're talking to the uh, the peddler guy, uh, the system constructs a new, stronger version of the weapon, and uh, the, the hologram's very proud of it. He's like, "Yeah, so this demonstration just gets stronger with every iteration." And Picard's like, "Well, can you abort it?" And, and he's like. Well, how would I demonstrate the program if I did that? <laughs> he seems so yeah, upset by it. He's really put off. Uh, and Riker, Data, and Tasha have finally found the hole that they fell in. Yay! <laughs> they're like, ah! And they're trying to figure out, like, how we can't get down there. It's too deep. There's nothing to grab onto. Uh, Data's like, I can get down there. And Riker turns to him and says, how? And what does he say? Hey, jump. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I jump. <laughs> okay. I, I was thinking he, he like just says, he doesn't say I jump. He literally just says jump. <laughs> For some reason, Riker is like really upset by this. He's like, Data, you can never jump down there. You're you're strong, but you're not that strong. First of all, Data can do like anything at this point. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, how do you? How would you know better what Data can do than fucking Data? Data knows everything ever. Even you know Data knows everything. Oh, that's not true. He doesn't know what words mean. <laughs> he hasn't actually had a moment like that in a while so maybe the writers finally keyed into that being insane oh, i'm um, so happy that Riker, Riker claims here that this hole is over 10 meters which i do not agree with that is not true i think that it is. is too far that's probably right i don't know it's a pretty deep hole but also we do know that picard survived it just fine and dr crusher survived it even though she got injured so i feel like the android that's got super strength probably gonna be okay and he yeah, is. He, really. just, he just hops right in the hole and he's fine. Pulls out his tricorder. <laughs> he pulls out his tricorder on Crusher and immediately like gives the captain a really concerned look. Like, she's dying, dude. <laughs> Lost wow. 50% blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the battle bridge has returned to the planet and Jordy is... This is the scene where he's very delicately talking to his, his little fledgling ensigns to reassure them. Like, in the most patronizing way. I didn't write down exactly what he says, but he's like so fucking patronizing. And he like he like pats like Sue's like arm at one point. He's like, "You'll do all right, kid." Like, <laughs> I did not write it down either. But I did not. I, I really something. I just wrote down Jordy has a dumb speech. <laughs> he, he gives them a very dumb, like talking to them like their toddler speech, and but they seem to be into it, so it's it's fine. Uh, and on the planet, Data's looking at the console with Picard, and they hear the weapon launch, and Data's like, um. Uh, Picard asks him if, if they can do anything to stop it and Data says well I need to see the schematic and the weapon seller hologram who's still there is like done and brings it up right away and he's like well we can maybe change the target to something uh, but they're like well it has to be a specific target we can't make it target itself because well, this whole thing will explode for some reason which doesn't make any sense um, and then meanwhile Riker and Tasha up top are being attacked by the new powerful drone and they're trying to hide from it and find cover uh, I, I, I like trying... that they're talking about how like Tasha's like maybe we could like outrun it you know if, if we separate and then <laughs> Riker's just like you know it made the entire planet extinct right I don't know if we can outrun it yeah this he is... gives her the, the look like you are the stupidest person I've ever met <laughs> <laughs> this this happens to Tasha a lot she makes a suggestion <laughs> and then Picard or Riker just fucking shits on her for being yeah. so stupid it happens all the time <laughs> it does but also she should be smarter sometimes because yeah you're not outrunning that drone that killed the entire planet yeah um and and in the hole uh data and picard are like how are we going to stop this thing and and crusher injured on the other side of the hole yells why don't you just turn it off (laughs) (laughs) i love that because they're both like we didn't think about that can we can we just do that can we turn it off And and the uh, the 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 salesman's like, well, you don't want to turn it off. You need you need to see the whole the whole pitch, the whole demonstration. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and yeah, and, and Picard says, "Oh, we've seen enough." And he's like, "Does that mean you want to buy it?" <sighs> I love the resolution to this episode. <laughs> Picard, Picard is like, "Of course, I'll buy it." <laughs> yes, and, yes, you've made a sale. And, Yay. <laughs> And then the, and that's all it took. That's all, that's it, all took it took. To yeah. 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 He's that's happy. He's content took. with that. He turns off the machine and the hologram disappears as well. Uh, I assume that somebody is going to discuss payment at some point, but <laughs> they're done now. The drones are gone. 
how how did they never figure this out <laughs> ever ever well, everybody on minos who knew how the system worked died first i guess i guess an entire Very planet funny. wiped out by capitalism Damn. makes you think makes you think okay but it's just the one robot though yeah, you know what i mean orbit, it would take a while in in orbit though there's still the attacking drone attacking the ship and so they've uh, got to take it down for some reason because it doesn't turn off um <laughs> also does not make any sense well, I, I like this solution, actually, because Jordy comes up with the solution. He's he's guiding them uh, to destroy the attacking drone. And he's like, Look, we got we to gotta fly the ship into the atmosphere so we can see the drone with the air disturbance because it's cloaked. And I'm right. like, that that's actually makes sense. That's a good idea. Um, so <laughs> the ship, the, the Enterprise does start to burn up terribly, but it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is perfect because this is exactly how Goku detects people as well. So By burning them up. It works. No, by sensing the air disturbance. Oh, I didn't okay. know that. I know. Sometimes, I... Also, sometimes it's just magic that he can do it. But sometimes it's because of the air disturbance. I thought he just, like, sensed people. He had that ability. To yeah, he had, like, the ability to solve that sensor it key. Can be, it can be both. Okay. <laughs> he can do both of them. But that's what, that's what they're doing here, is uh, not sensing the key, but sensing the air disturbance. And they do finally... Bought the damn thing and shoot it out of the sky immediately, and everybody celebrates! Yeah! Yay. And then Jordy is like, "All right, take us into standard orbit, beam those people aboard. We're gonna be fine." And everybody's so they're so pleased with themselves, and I'm proud of them. Honestly, yeah. those kids that we never see again—they did all right. <laughs> well, no, they, they, got, they, they were great. I actually kind of wish they would stick around a bit more for some more. Episodes. Maybe they got full-time jobs on another ship, and they're happy and doing good. So, I hope I don't so. Know. so they beam everyone up. They beam, you know, they, they say Crusher is doing better in sick bay. And Jordy uh, goes up to Picard and he says, all right, sir, you can take your seat at the at command. And there's this great moment where Picard's like, Mr. LaForge, you promised me my ship in all in one piece. I can't accept the, the, the chair until it's all here. And he lets Jordy sit back down and, you know, because you know, they're still on the, the battle bridge. And he mm-hmm. says, engage one last time. <laughs> That's, I, thought, I thought it was kind of mean almost because they were like card <laughs> tells him in this in this manner that's like mr laforge when i left this ship it was in one piece like like angry dad kind of and everybody right. knows they're just like joking around and being light but at the same time jordy looks panicked for a minute because Riker's also <laughs> doing it too and he's like oh okay yeah yeah let's uh we'll, we'll rejoin the saucer but yeah and that's um i will remind you Hayes. they only do the saucer separation three times in this entire show <laughs> So that was number two. two of them already. We did it. <laughs> they better make there's the third only one, one more. There's, there's no way. There's only three. That can't be. There's right. only three in the entire That's series. Fair, I promise though. you. Yeah, it's too damn expensive. I want a saucer sap all the time. Too bad. You got to rewatch these two episodes. You got to rewatch they, Arsenal they, of Freedom. <laughs> they should have just ripped off of anime and, re- and reused the same scenes over and over I, again. I'm they could have. I'm amazed they didn't. Yeah, I'm really surprised they didn't. Like, I you think they already have that shot? Why can't I just no one stitch it back in? No one would have been mad if they just used the same shot. Seriously. Or yeah, they could have just done, like, they could have done the setup for the saucer step one time done like a bunch of different takes and then you could like kind of interchangeably like use them. So even if you, you don't have to use the exact same shots every time, but you could pull from like the same B roll, you know? Yeah. They weren't that smart though, unfortunately. So we only get three saucer steps in the entire series. Yeah. It's pretty shitty. 
but that was that was arsenal of freedom um oh and i was gonna make a note too that they they cleaned up the battle bridge like it looks way better than it did in encounter at firepoint it actually looks like part of the enterprise now instead of this weird red room oh yeah oh I, I didn't think about that but you're you're totally right the, the, we also we had one of my favorite types of moments where the episode is just ending and uh Solus says oh yeah by the way sick base says dr crusher's gonna be fine <laughs> the end <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't we don't worry, have time great. to show this on screen you just need to tell us i mean they probably didn't even need to tell us we could just assume she was going to be fine but i guess it's good that the, you didn't go one week without thinking she died because she didn't yeah. anyway, it would have been weird gonna... if she did we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about episode 22 of season one, uh, Symbiosis. So stay tuned. We will be right back. And we are back. We are back to talk about Symbiosis, episode 22 of something. Uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Haha. <laughs> season one. I'm very on top of things today. I couldn't go for a walk today because it's, it's like been snowing and I don't want to deal with that. So we, we haven't, haven't had, had any snow. It's been warming up. It's been, it was like sixty yesterday. It's I want so that. much snow. There's you need to stop with the snow. I don't. I don't like snow. I got a lot of exercise the other day when I went to a family fun center, and um, I'm still sore from realizing how out of shape I am at the family fun center. Did you have fun Six, at the family fun? I had fun, but I was very exhausted, dude. Six year olds are exhausting. <laughs> They're tiring little people. He had like boundless energy. He's like, oh, let's jump again. Let's go again. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm going to sit down for a while. Okay, you go. You go ahead. Your auntie has to rest. Um, anyway, Symbiosis is uh, first aired on April 18th, 1988. Um, and the teleplay was by Robert Lewin, Richard Manning, and Hans Beimler. Bimler? Beimler? And the story was by Robert Lewin, directed by Wynne Phelps, which I think, I don't know. In Universe Date is not known. No, 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 no. Year twenty three. They didn't bother to do it because it's not like this has like a mystery associated to its date or anything. No, they just didn't have a captain's log that had the star date on it. We just forgot to put captain's log. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, So this is the episode. Norbiosis. That's my uh, estimation of this episode. Wow. (laughs) uh, The Enterprise is investigating a solar flare and gets a distress call from a ship in trouble. And they find themselves in the midst of a symbiotic relationship between two planets in the solar system in an argument about medicine. What are you guys' initial mm-hmm. thoughts about this episode, besides it finding it boring, apparently? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I think they take their time a little too much in this, in this episode, honestly. But I, I like the central, like, uh, um, not concern, but like the central conflict of this episode. And I like how they kind of have to like address it carefully and all that because, because you know, the prime directive. Um, but I think they just fucking drag their feet way too hard. It takes 10 minutes for them to get the, uh, the aliens onto their ship, which is way too long because nothing happens in the first 10 episodes, 10 minutes of this episode. Not really. No, but it's, uh, it passed by quickly for me. I don't know. I like this episode. I'm the, I'm the only one of us, I think that liked this episode. But um, I guess I do always have a soft spot in my heart for symbiosis. Uh, I mostly like saying the name symbiosis. symbiosis. But um, but yeah, I thought I thought all of the uh, the guest stars they have on this episode, the guest actors are real good. Uh, I like it is a bottle episode, but I feel like it it has a good story. I think I might I think I might like bottle episodes the best. You guys, 
Mm. I mean, I think the episode was like done well and everything. I just have a hard time because it's too stupid. <laughs> it's not. It's not stupid though. This one is it's like last stupid. episode was really stupid. This episode's not so stupid. They couldn't figure out how to turn off the robots. Despite that is true. They <laughs> killed everybody on the planet. It can't compare with that level of stupid, but it's still stupid. Uh, I'm not. I'm putting I my disagree. foot down on this one. It's I disagree. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're going to check out some gigantic flares in the solar system. The episode opens with uh, Captain Picard giving an uh message to the entire enterprise about this telling them they're going to be on yellow alert because these are going to be huge flares and they cause uh can cause problems on the enterprise um with a electromagnetic interference um so the ship is on yellow alert and they put the sun on the viewer which is really good because immediately they're all like oh that's really bright oh <laughs> and it's like can you please uh, put a mask on the photosphere and then they just put this fucking circle graphic this dark circle graphic just goes yeah. bloop into the middle of the sun Someone really just dragged me that. down there with a mouse. Yeah, I'm just wondering good. who designed the TV on the Enterprise to to broadcast light that's blinding people. You, you should need it to be accurate, that. I guess. It accurate like, image, you know. It's just gotta it, be it gave like them what they wanted. It's not their fault. They decided to use their technology poorly. <laughs> so they're they're looking at it with the little black circle on it, and they're looking at these flares, like these awesome eruptions. Uh, Riker calls them. And I guess they're impressive. I don't know shit about suns or solar flares. But um, uh, the magnetic field is also irregular, someone says. So it looks like uh, the data said that maybe. Um, and then Wesley's on the back monitoring the, the panel. And uh, he says the deflectors are being hit by the X-rays, says Wesley. Which do, do, do stars emit X-rays? Yeah. Oh, they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit, it's, I, didn't, it's, I didn't know that. It's just uh, higher energy than uh uv yeah okay i did not know that but uh, wesley's console starts like flashing and flickering blue lights and freaking out and wesley's like wow that's cool <laughs> it was cool he's right <laughs> and the view screen's all staticky and uh computers all across the ship aren't working and doing the blue flashy thing uh the ship is functioning but troy troy says everybody's tense <laughs> Thank you, Troy. Thank you, Troy. <laughs> and Picard is like, like, huh, how about that? That's great. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, and Zeta says they have to get in closer to investigate. And Picard's like, yeah, okay. Well, let's go in closer. Um, even though everybody's tense. Uh, and then I wrote down, what is the point of this? And finally, the Worf gives the point. They receive a distress signal. Uh, they receive a distress signal from someone named Tajan on a freighter in trouble in the star system. And he's calling for help. Um, and so they respond to the distress signal and go to the aid of the freighter, uh, but it's already heading into the atmosphere to burn up. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, so they look at the freighter on the view screen, um, <laughs> and they have a very similar graphic as the the black circle, but it's just like a little crosshair. I like that too. <laughs> um, they observe the freighter is very old and that its integrity is failing, um, and it's a Ornarin 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 freighter. Named Sanction, and uh, Tazan is like really chill about it when he's asking for help. Like, oh, we, if anything you could do, like that would be great. You know, <laughs> we might we might die, but if you could help us, that'd be good. And they're they're like, man, he's acting really weird. Uh, multiple people start talking to him at once, and they're like, hey, stop it, stop it. Captain Picard says one at a time, and um, the freighter captain's like, the ship is failing, but I don't really know why. Uh, it just isn't working. We can't make it go. 
<laughs> yeah, I have a this direct isn't... quote. He says, "It's all you know, dead, I guess." But what doesn't make any sense to me word. is that uh, Dijon is an Arnarin. They're supposed to be the race that's like really good at technology. But throughout this scene and also the ending scene, they act as if like I don't know how any of this shit works. I don't know. They Our don't. race is dumb. They don't because they don't know how it works. They have all been crippled by the plague, you see, and they uh, don't have time for that shit. I see. I see. We gotta. Get yeah. There. Though I mean, there's a there's a very good reason that I'll explain when we get some reveals later in the episode. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the episode. I didn't spoil it. No, I I was I didn't accuse you of spoiling it. I'm saying I don't want to spoil it, even though it doesn't matter. I'm making a joke because <laughs> if you're listening to this now, you probably should have watched this episode already. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Picard uh, has data tap into their computer system to see what's going on. And Tasha suggests, well, we should pull them up with a tractor beam. And they try, but the solar flares are stopping the tractor beam from working, of course. Um, so Tijan is all, all still very nonchalant about all this. Uh, but Data finds out that the ship has a misaligned coil. And um, uh, they're like, well, that can be fixed. And he's like, great, how do you do that? And the Enterprise is astounded at the ship's total incompetence. And Riker wants to beam over a team so that they can like install a coil for them and save them. But Tosh is like, no, that's too dangerous with the solar flare. Let's beam them over here instead. Merc, 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 Merc. Ace. Uh, whenever uh, Dijon said, like, yeah, I don't really know how to do a coil alignment. Uh, Picard does the fucking facepalm. Oh, I missed it. Was that this episode? I don't think it was like the facepalm, but it was definitely like a, it was a facepalm. Oh, okay. You got me all excited because I've been waiting for the actual facepalm because I can't remember when it hits, but I feel like it's pretty early in the show. Yeah, Um, no, no. Because it it, it definitely wasn't the one, but he definitely just goes in for the full like, he's this fucking guy. I know, <laughs> he's definitely sitting down for the face palm. Right. So yeah. Couldn't have been that's this why, Yeah. That's why I was like, that can't be happening. They were standing up in this scene, that's correct. They're standing on the bridge. Um, so they uh, are going to beam them over before the ship breaks apart. Um, this so is they, when they, Tasha they... makes the correct point. Good job, Tasha. You did it. She does, Riker yeah. Riker was she's... the one who was stupid. And she gets to play transporter chief again uh, as they go over to the, the transporter room to beam them over. And she's like, well, I can't get them through the solar flare. But but if we connect to our, their transporter, we can use the power of both. So she tells them to go to their transporter um, and, and they, they figure it out. And she gets it connected and they send over this fucking barrel full of canisters instead of people. And they're like, what the hell? What, what the heck? Uh, well, there's like a minute <laughs> remaining. This doesn't yeah. really make... I guess that makes sense, but like in the context of like how how do they expect to be able to distribute any of it without themselves present? Because reasonably, Tasha like Tasha might not have been able to save anybody at the end of, at the end of the day. No, they actually like they cut away to commercial or something, and it makes it look like the entire ship is dead. And <laughs> I wrote down yeah. everybody on the ship dies <laughs> as the freighter disintegrates. Never mind. Tasha manages to beam over four of the six passengers. So yeah, they did manage Yay. to save four people, but barely, barely. And you're right; it doesn't make any sense because at least one person probably should have come over with the cargo just to make sure it gets there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but of the four survivors that show up, uh, two of them are dressed very poshly, kind of like a. I described it as sparkling, even though they're not, they're not literally sparkling, but they're very like very polished um, looking. They, they have like they have like on like this like reflective material, and uh, the um, and they're clearly like very like well to do, very like kind of like blue blood outfits. Like, mm-hmm. and it's it's a man and a woman. Yes, uh, and they're also very like like clean and put together, and just you know they look 
like rich people or whatever. And then the other two, uh, one of them's Tijan and then some other man look like they're farmhands. This guy is literally wearing space overalls. I was about to say that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He's got space overalls. It's so good. They, they, also, they, they look a little weird. They're kind of like red eyed. They have like sunken in eyes. Like something's like wrong with them. You can yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Riker's like, hey, you know, if you'd beamed over people first instead of your cargo, we might have been able to save the other two people. And Tijan immediately is like, oh, where's the cargo? Is it okay? Is our cargo okay? And they want to see it. They want to see the cargo right now. And so they rush over to the cargo bay where it's been beamed. And Dijon and his friend are really relieved to see it's fine. They're like, oh, thank God our cargo is fine. And that's when the other two chime in like, hey, our cargo? That's not yours. You haven't paid for it yet. And they're like, we we did pay for it. We traded for it. And they're like, well, where is the stuff? It's all destroyed on the freighter. So we have themselves an argument about property. But they call the cargo Felicium is what it is. Uh, the woman's name is, is Langor, they give it now. And the man is named Sobi. And I'm going to forget these immediately and just describe them as the Breckens. Um, yes. Because they are the <laughs> Breckens. Uh, and this is where we learn that these these both of these alien races have uh, electric hands apps. Yeah. <laughs> they have electric hands. Oh, my God. I, I was thinking the this was just like a technology they had or something, but... You guys are saying that like this is just how they evolved with electric hands. So I yeah. believe it. No, that's just uh, how their species well, is. They got electric hands. They're, yeah. they're Pikachu. These they, they people are Pikachu. Pikachu. Hands. Yeah, but and, so, so yeah, they, they were like arguing like seconds after surviving like a fucking ship exploding. <laughs> and and they're still in like fucking debate. It's so ridiculous. And they're like, ah, let's get into a fight. And like they, they like two of the guys start like wrestling each other with their electric hands. And uh, I think uh, to John gets up to help his buddy and then uh, the, the Brecken lady just fucking like, grabs him and puts him in the zappy hell. It's all it's all chaotic. Yeah. And Tasha has to break it up with a phaser blast. She's like, hey, hey, knock it off. And shoots him <laughs> with a phaser. And they're like, oh, fine. And at this point, Riker is called security and the security team rushes in and all four of them are uh, escorted to the observation lounge. Um, and then, and this is the scene in the hallway where Riker and Tasha are talking about how they've never seen a humanoid with that kind of electric power before, and they're speculating maybe it was because of the uh, the sun's strength that they developed it or whatever, which makes no real sense. But don't think about it too much. UV radiation gives me special power. It's just yeah. like um, Superman or Fantastic Four hey, guy. Superman didn't get his power from radiation, did he? He just had it. He was an alien. No, 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 no. Uh, on on Krypton, he's just a dude. He's not special at all. But in oh, that's the, right. It's the yellow sun. It, it's the yellow sun that gives him his power. Yeah. Yeah, that's so fucking stupid. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I they all was, uh, Krypton sun was like that, but I don't know shit. So. Whatever. No, the Krypton, Hayes is right. They're all normal people on Krypton, and then it's the Earth Sun that gives Superman his power. But that's yeah. why Kryptonite takes his power away because it's the Krypton power. But it doesn't make any fucking that's sense because at some point, Superman goes like from galaxy to galaxy or whatever. Like, he, he can go anywhere and he still has all his powers. So it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Maybe he straps a little sunlight on him. Maybe <laughs> he just. <laughs> He charged up his jail crystal enough. No, I was. I knew you were going to make that joke. I don't know how I knew, but I knew it was going to be just, a jail crystal it's joke. Prescience, I guess. I guess. Uh, so they're in the lounge negotiating. Did you say that uh, he has a pocket full of pocket full of sunshine? No. No, he doesn't have pockets. He's Superman. <laughs> you guys are jerks. Go on. <laughs> it was a good joke. Hey, so it was good. Um, so they're in the lounge negotiating for the cargo. Uh, 
and Tajan and his friend are saying, but everything we had was in the freighter. Uh, but on the bridge, Tasha's telling Picard that um, that they're waiting for him in the lounge. And he asks Data for a quick report on the people. And he's like, well, we don't know much. 200 years ago, a scout ship observed that there was life inhabiting two planets in the system. And one of them was on the verge of getting space travel. But uh, that's pretty much all we know. And Troy says uh, that none of them feel remorse over the two dead people, but they're all very concerned about that barrel of cargo. Thank, thank you, Troy. Hmm. <laughs> like, how did you, Troy? I'm sorry, we didn't need this. We know we knew this. <laughs> I mean, the, she, her bringing up that no one of them felt remorse for the people might be valid, I guess, because they can't really tell that. But they all are very concerned about the cargo. And you guys yeah. are acting like, okay, oh, sorry, I had to take a sip of water. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna say you guys, you guys are acting like it's this is insane of them and this is really silly. But I feel like given the importance of this cargo to both planets like i feel like all our actions do sort of make sense well i didn't say it was insane i think i, I, I would say it's, it would be insane to send the cargo without a representative of either party with them because then it's pointless i mean and that's why they're fighting about it right away too because this is like this is life for both planets is this cargo, which I guess we should t- keep talking about the episodes. I don't know right, why, right. Well, well I, I guess my point was like to send the cargo by itself seems insane to me without at least one representative to go along yeah, with you're the not, cargo. Well, I don't know why you're the Breckians didn't get on the teleporter, but yeah, because, yeah, because at that point it's like the cargo is meaningless to the enterprise and like the, the, they could just like all burn up on that ship. And what would the enterprise do with that fucking shit? Like it, 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 it doesn't make any sense to me in, in that. Well, I can, I can imagine that they weren't like they were busy almost dying. So they weren't thinking too clearly. And they're just like, oh, we have to save this shipment. It's going to save our entire planet. Right. Right. Um, so Picard goes into the lounge with Riker and Data and uh, Romas is the name of the other guy we learn now um, to John's friend. But we're going to call them the Onarans because that's easier. So this is Tijan and Romas, the Onarans. And we have uh, Sobi and... Sobi and Langor. Langor. Such a stupid name. Langor are the Breckens. So, okay. We're not naming them again. Except for maybe Tijan because his name is fun to say. <laughs> I really like saying Tijan. I also, Tijan kind of looks like Kiefer Sutherland. Do you guys notice that? Yeah. He kind of yeah, has a Kiefer Sutherland of. look. I didn't really I register that. I would have to go back and look. I thought he looked like someone. Maybe there's someone else. Kind of looks like Kiefer. He kind of looks like Kiefer Sutherland, and he kind of sounds like Norm Macdonald. Yes. That's oh my god! I I'm had the paint. fucking. Oh my god! I forgot that I wrote down he has a fucking Norm Macdonald voice. I wrote that like, down too. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it unless someone else brought it up, but I brought it up. It's, it's, it, I did it. This is me. I mean, I know who what Norm Macdonald sounds like off the top of my head. Really, Hayes? Wow. Well, I'm canceling Hayes immediately. <laughs> what? Um. So their ship is fucking destroyed. But uh, Tajan asks Picard right away. You you could have repaired our ship, right? Uh, do you think you could fix our two remaining ships because they're kind of broken down and we need them to survive? And and Picard like looks to Data and Data's like, yeah, we we could fi- fix them. And Picard's like, all right, make it so we can do that. Um. And then they just start arguing over the cargo again. And Picard's like, okay, you guys have to settle this with your own legal system. But they're like, this is a matter of life and death, Captain. That cargo was medicine for a plague that infects our entire population. Uh, and, and the Breckens are like, well, we uh, need to sell this to you. Like, you have to pay for it. You know, we can't just give it to you for free because this is manufactured on our planet. It's a great cost to us. Um, 
And Romas tells the Breckens that they would be more sympathetic if they could actually see the effects of the plague on the people. And he's like, well, I guess you will see it when it starts happening to us right here. And Picard is like, wait a minute. <laughs> he slowly <laughs> says to Romas, Romas, are you and Tijan carrying this plague? <laughs> and because, because of the way they were beamed on in a hurry uh, and the solar flares and all that, they're worried like, well, we don't know if the biofilter actually uh, got through to these guys. They might have just brought the plague to kill all of us. Uh-oh. It's probably yeah, they re- fine. They reveal that everyone are and has the plague. Um, and so immediately he calls Dr. Crush to the lounge. Uh, and then they the don't actually like, quarantine them. I, I guess by the point, it kind of cuts back in. They, they kind of figure out that everyone's okay. But you think they'd be in quarantine at first, or so, that we'd see them in quarantine at first or I, something. At when have they ever quarantined anybody on this ship base? They did it that one time briefly. Did they? Uh, kind so they, they, they of. Well, okay. what, by strapping him to what a they did was they said the word quarantine and then they decided they were done. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much it. That's they had Jordy true. strapped to a table while people were just standing by him in plain air. So that's, that's quarantine. Um, Good enough. <laughs> uh, so in the sick bay, in the next scene, Ramas is like really suffering on a table. He's like convulsing and obviously in a lot of pain. Uh, and Dr. Crusher says that she couldn't detect any virus or bacteria on the Breckens at all. Um, oh, we lost Craig. Get back in. Yay. Now recording. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome, Craig. We're going to cut that in so we can actually hear him this time. <laughs> Hi, Craig. Welcome back, Craig. Hello, oh, Craig. Where were we? Uh, so yeah, Dr. Crusher can't detect any virus or bacteria um, on the Breckens or in the Ornarans, who are uh, obviously suffering symptoms of something. Um, Picard comes in and the Brecken woman wants to talk to him, but Crusher's like, no, I need to talk to him. He's my guy. And takes him privately to tell them, like, yeah, I have no idea why these people are sick. Like, obviously, they're sick of something. Uh, they have a lot of symptoms, but there's no trace of disease. So that's a little weird. And Picard goes back in, and the Onarans say they have to have the cargo. Oh, and at this point, too, they've already had the Breckens escorted to um, quarters. But uh, Picard goes in, and the Onarans are like, we have to have our cargo. Please, we need the Felicium. And Picard's like, all right, I'll talk to the Breckens and see if I can get you a dose of the medicine. Yeah, they're, like, all clammy and sweating and shaking. They're like, we need this cargo. And Picard says, nah. Well, I'll go ask <laughs> them, I guess. Well, he has no control over it, but he's he's got to ask the the Breckens. I mean, technically, he does have control over it, but he, Prime Directive, Prime Directive. That's the key word for this episode, Prime Directive. Prime Directive. And um, the way they act, it's very like you can tell it's not just that they have a plague. They they almost seem to have like a dependency on like this drug because they they get like obsessive about it at every turn. It's mm-hmm. more it's more than just like, oh, we need medicine. It's like we we need this. Like we're really desperate to have this. We just need it. Yeah. They're they got the shakes. They got they they it's not very subtle. I, I, no. I kind of figured what was going on before they kind of said what was going on. It, I mean, it's one of those things that like I wonder if I had seen this episode like at my current age, I guess, not as a child, when it was first aired. Uh, if I would have known, because I th- I feel like in media there were less predictions, uh, less uh, depictions. depictions. Thank you of of drugs uh, in in media, and so um, people might not have picked up on it as easily as we do now. Because now there's been so many uh, depictions right. of people going through like a heroin withdrawal or whatever, which is what this looks like. They're going through a heroin withdrawal. Yes. Um, 
It's because that's basically what's happening. <laughs> so Picard goes and talks Spoilers. to the Brechtians. Wow. <laughs> uh, the Brechtians are in their quarters uh, just having a nice orange yeah. juice, which is just a great scene because like they're she's like, lounging on the couch and they're both smiling at each other. Like, oh, this is great. We're having a great vacation. They forgot to say, ah, how delightful. <laughs> And Picard enters, and they're immediately like, oh, we love your ship, and your crew is so great. And uh, he's like, yeah, okay, but uh, do, do, do they, can these guys have medicine so they don't die? And, and uh, the guy is like, oh, they haven't paid for it. You know, we can't just give it away for free. And, and Langer's like, hang on, we want to be fair. You know, they can have two doses for immediate use. But we want to be present while you open the cargo. Mm. So they all go to the cargo bay and uh, crack open the canister. And there's a, a strange, like, metal device. How would you describe, describe this device? It's like a little disc that you put, that's, like, designed to accept seeds. But, and then whenever you put a seed in, like, kind of blinks on. Mm. Um, but I'm not really sure how you extract anything from it. That was not clear at all to me. It's just so weird alien technology. I but, but I don't remember it, what, it, what it looked like. It's, it's a little... It's like a, little, a mine or something. Yeah, no, it's totally. Something yeah, like a mine. It has like a yeah. little shooting thing, and then like a, a tube kind of lights up whenever you put a seed in there. Yeah, and the canister is full of seeds, or like uh, pellets, I would say. I'm not sure they're actual seeds, but like uh, little drug pellets. And Crusher asks what it does, and she, it, they say, oh, that measures the dosage, because the dosage is... 0.01 milliliters and she's like oh that's a very potent substance because that's a tiny amount that's a tiny tiny amount um and we say yeah over the years we've dis- uh, improved the distillation distillation process uh and now this barrel holds four billion doses and data is there and he's like oh actually i would estimate that it is four billion three hundred seventy five million and Picard cuts him off <laughs> apparently the uh the drug was played by the actor lentils <laughs> there you go. Thank you. It does look like it did look like lentils. It does look like lentils. Well, that's got a good reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> and so they ask him, well, how long the medicine lasts the people on Ornara? And um they're like, well, the medicine only lasts at most like 72 hours. It depends on the person. Uh and they're like, really? That's all? And they're like, yeah, there's no cure for the plague, but the felicium stops all the symptoms and lets the Onarans yeah. lead ordinary lives. And uh, Dr. Crusher is, like, giving them the fucking stink eye about this. Like, that's yeah. really weird. That doesn't make any sense. That sounds like some fucking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they also reveal, too, um, that they have no other industry on Brecca than the Felicium. They just make the Felicium, and everything else is provided to them by the Onarans as payment mm. for the Felicium. They have a, a if, if you would say, a symbiotic relationship. This is this is where uh, it starts becoming stupid. I think. Disagree. Anyway, you can't um, cre- you can't have your entire planet based on making drugs. That's stupid. Okay, yeah, that is kind of stupid. I, I don't <laughs> agree with that. That's right. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong. But uh, for the purposes of this of this episode, that's how it is, man. That's just how it is. But yeah, they yeah. couldn't like the entire planet was supposed to be like fed and clothed uh, based on what was in that freighter that was destroyed. That doesn't make any sense. You're right. This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Maybe these planets are tiny and only have like 200 people on them. That um, seems to be most of the planets in this show. Yeah, that's true. So Dr. Crusher takes the Felicium to the sick bay and the two Ornarans are waiting there and they immediately like descend on the medicine and they've got a little syringe thing, which I think this yeah. is how it works is that they stick like a syringe in there and then the syringe fills up from the thing somehow. 
Right. Um, but they just like take a shot in their hands real quick and immediately mm-hmm. like she's watching them take this uh this medicine, quote unquote, and she observes them like go into an instant euphoria and all their symptoms go away and they're just like, Yeah, we feel fine now. We feel good, we'll feel great. <laughs> and so she They uh they make some good uh the nut face, if you will. <laughs> But by, by, um, by the way, the, the the reason why I was thinking they were seeds is just because, uh, you know, like poppy seeds. Mm-hmm. But they're distilled, though, they said, which is why I said they're probably like pellets, because I think they, they take the that makes and like heavily distill it. Yeah, right, right. And they probably just like compress it down into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes into sense. lentils. Yeah, into lentils. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they should make a soup with that drug. It would be delicious. I, I, I love I love kosher drugs. <laughs> Um, so Dr. Crusher goes to talk to Picard in the ready room and she's like, yeah, that's a drug. That's a fucking drug they're doing. They're addicted to that. Uh, the entire planet is addicted to Felicium. She calls it a narcotic, which is that's fancy word for drug. She doesn't specifically say it's an opiate because it's fucking an opiate. That It is basically I don't know why the show doesn't just call it an opiate. Eh, that's the word that was probably in more common use at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Nar- a narcotic. Yeah. Well, I mean, they ain't doing cocaine. That's they're taking heroin, like they yeah. got alien heroin. That's well, what at it one is. point, she even says that she could she could synthesize a replacement to help them wean with withdrawals, and I'm like, oh, she can synthesize mescaline for. Like, Her- heroin that's... is a narcotic. <laughs> yeah, I know most drugs are narcotics. That's it's a, it doesn't mean anything. It's calling it a drug. I thought I thought narcotic. I, I you know what? I'm gonna be honest. I don't know much about drugs. You know more than I do. Oh, I'll tell you the definition of narcotic right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it. Narcotic okay, definition: uh, a drug or other substance that affects mood or behavior and is consumed for non-medical purposes. It's literally it just means drug. It's a fancy okay. word for drug. Okay, it's you're like, right. Um, well, originally it was like a, a like a numbing or uh, a downer effect drug. Yeah, that that's what I thought. I thought it was like just meant to like chill you the fuck out or something. But I think over time it's just kind of it's, it's a just drug. Over it it's is. a drug. Yeah, any it's drug you're taking for non-medical. Drug. Yeah, recreational drug is narcotic. Yeah. That's what it means. Okay. Um but yes, it's an opiate that they're taking. It's pretty clear. Uh so Riker and Picard go to the bridge um with with Dr. Crusher and Data's found a history of the solar system magically somehow. And the two planets, he says, uh, developed separately, with Ornara becoming more technologically advanced. But 200 years ago, a devastating plague struck the planet. And uh, Data couldn't find out why and uh, how they discovered this. But the planet, uh, they found the plant that cured it growing only on Brekka. And they couldn't, no matter how hard they tried, get it to grow on Ornara. So this trade arrangement was created. Um, and uh, Dr. Crusher says, uh, well... They they say like oh and this this really benefits both societies and and Doctor Crusher's like no it only benefits the Breckens because the plague was cured two hundred years ago by the plant and they uh are, continue to be addicted to it and she asks uh, Picard what he's gonna do and he's like there's nothing I can do like this is, this is a prime directive prime directive prime di- and she argues with him and this is when she says she can make some mescaline but she doesn't say mescaline she says she can synthesize a replacement drug for their withdrawal symptoms and he refuses blah blah prime directive. Um, it makes sense. It's, like it's it's a fucked situation, but it's like effectively out of their hands. Yeah, I agree with Picard in this situation. Like I like Crusher's absolutely got a valid point, and she doesn't want to see these people suffer. But they can't just come in and interfere with these people. Like that's it's fucked up, but they can't. Uh, I think they can. I don't know. I think I feel like Prime Directive is supposed to be about 
giving them stuff to uplift the society in technological ways and not making them not die is not covered in that, I think. I don't know. I No, I, I feel like it's uh, any interference, really. They're not supposed to, whether good or bad. Because, like, the entire point is they're, like, they're meant to, like, wh- where does it end at a certain point? Because if you set a precedent for being like, well, we'll help these people with the- these things. And then, like, what if a war erupts between, like, two planets? And where, like, clearly one planet is in more of a moral right. Should you, like, step in and help there? And then, it, it like, where where does it stop in terms of, like, really, like, kind of... You know, well, kind of remember going to, going to bat for societies that are so far below where, like, the highest. Remember point. our admiral friend in that other episode, he said, My interpretation of the Prime Directive was to give everyone guns. <laughs> <laughs> that guy might have been bad at his job, I'm going to say. <laughs> but but he, it, did, it, he did not interpret the Prime Directive very he well. Did not for inter- he, he, he had his own bad, badass morals, and I respect him. <laughs> But yeah, it's just like like where where like where do you draw the line? Because the the more of a precedent you set, the like the more like kind of gray things will get over time. Yeah, well, I don't know. And because... I'm skipping ahead to the end of the episode too, but I want to say something real quick. Is that when uh, at the end of the episode, when Picard stops the turbo lift when he's in there with Doctor Crusher to tell her like. The Prime Directive isn't just a rule that they're meant to follow. It's a philosophy, and it's a philosophy about like civilizations need to develop on their own terms without interference, right, for better or right. worse. And and he's he's not wrong. And I like that scene at the end of the episode too, because because it is like sometimes it's frustrating, and sometimes we have to make really bad decisions that hurt people. But it, it's like they have to figure this shit out themselves. I don't. Know. I mean, he did say that, but on the other hand, it also kind of felt like he was picking and choosing what prime directive was about to get he ended up with the outcome he wanted anyway on the other hand he does totally save those people off that ship yeah um you, you know what i mean like yeah. well i feel like uh and this is one of the reasons that i do actually really like this episode and i always think that it's later than season one uh because earlier in season one obviously the prime directive has not meant shit like they have not no. it has not been observed they just do whatever the fuck they want and bring it up as like oh we can't do that because prime directive <laughs> whenever it's convenient but this is the first episode where i feel like they've actually developed a consistent uh definition and philosophy for the prime directive and uh and picard really like lays down the law here and they they do save those people from the freighter but um they don't know that that freighter can't do warp speeds i don't think like uh, they sure, technically they... shouldn't but people are about to be immediately dying so right they, they don't know anything about their like, societies space. or anything right yeah so yeah, yeah that, i think that makes sense where it's like i'm kind of judging against the rest of the show it is kind of out of place here yeah i think if you judge it against later stuff that happens in the show it's much more in line if you yeah. if you look earlier in the season though yeah picard's full of shit absolutely because some of the stuff they do like angel won that entire fucking episode oh my god or justice god <laughs> i'm yeah. so mad especially, about especially justice justice made no you know <laughs> They broke so and, many rules, and then Wesley's being put on the fucking guillotine, and, and Picard's like, now, now, now. We can't. You know, I think uh, the inspector was right to come in and investigate <laughs> Picard. 
He didn't find anything wrong, though, despite all the things that they have done wrong. Well, yeah. it wasn't what he was looking for. No, he didn't know what he was looking for. Um, so anyway, on the bridge, Tasha receives a call from Ornara. Some, uh, somebody named Margan is calling, suffering from withdrawals, and he wants to speak to Tajan and Romas. And, um, and Picard almost calls them to the bridge, but then he's like, I don't want these people on my bridge. We're going to go to their room instead. And he's like, well, we'll call you right back. And so this he... to me was just like more fucking padding in this episode where it feels like they need to do that. Plus, that plus like the stuff at the beginning. It just felt it just felt like they were just taking time to have people walk around even more than they, and they, people have been walking around a lot during this episode. They have been. But also, I've, I actually like this because this is the first time where um, you know how a lot of times on the show they'll like do something that makes no fucking sense like uh bring aliens onto your bridge when you don't need to and this is captain picard actually saying like you know what these people don't need to be on their bridge they don't need to see our technology they don't need to have access to this so we'll just go to them and also a million tvs (laughs) it it, it also opens up for this wonderful scene where uh wesley asks data why do people do drugs data oh wesley (laughs) But this oh, is fine they, though. Wesley is, is just an innocent baby. He doesn't. Yeah, no. This, no, this, this scene, like, this is an iconic scene to me. It is iconic. I I love this scene because this is so like '80s TV PSA. Drugs are bad. Yeah. And um, I honestly like the things Wesley is saying are things that I thought when I was like 10 years old, too. So I'm with him. Like, it's a, like a little true. baby thinking of, but if it's addictive and bad for you, why do people even do drugs? <laughs> That's stupid. And Tasha steps over and she's like, uh, because drugs feel good, Wesley. <laughs> well, I, I actually did like uh, Tasha's explanation of like, you know, saying that like, you know, nobody needs drugs, but like, you know, people do like people feel like that's their only escape at times when they're in really yeah. desperate situations. And like it becomes a point where like you don't like you don't take it to feel good, but you take it because you need to have it at a certain point, which is like, you know, I thought for explaining to a kid, that's like a good explanation for it. Is it it's actually a really good PSA? It's like, yeah, it is. It is good. It, it's, it's, only, it's only talking down to the addicts. It's just saying, like, yeah, this is what fucking happens to people and it sucks. And it makes sense because I think the worst hardship that Wesley has ever had is when he came in second in the Starfleet exam. <laughs> yeah. So um, he I, doesn't I do, know anything. I do. Well, he did almost lie. die that one time, but you know. <laughs> I do kind of not buy the conceit that uh, because the Federation is so advanced and they they don't need anything or want anything that they wouldn't still be doing drugs because I, I kind of believe, and this is might be my own cynical view of uh, of life, but I think that people would do drugs no matter how comfortable or uh, have have their needs met. You know, I feel like like no matter what, people are going to be seeking kind of mind altering and body altering experiences because that shit feels good. I just I think the official position of this show that drugs are cool. Well, I think they're saying the opposite in this scene. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about our podcast. Oh, our podcast. Yes, I, I like <laughs> drugs. Um, don't do heroin, probably though. <laughs> it's bad. It, it turns out they came out with a new super antidepressant in the future that solves all problems. So there are drugs. Yeah, there you go. Well, I guess they did map out the whole brain. Apparently, um, they mapped out the yeah. entire brain, Merc. It's just, it is it is a good scene, though. I really do like... like This is one of Tasha's best moments in this entire show, I know. unfortunately. It's, it's, <laughs> it is easily her dark. best moment. I can't think of what's better than this. 
Yeah, but she's just like, because she did come home. She doesn't mention the rape gangs, but she says she comes up from a, a really bad planet where people she were did. miserable. And this was, uh, no, she didn't mention the rape gangs in this. No, episode. no, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, she like, she, yeah, like at this point, we do know she came from a bad planet. I mean, like, or like oh, a bad yeah, situation. Yeah. Like, but in, in this episode, in this episode, yes, she yes, doesn't mention yes, it, yes. which is nice because yeah. she's just talking about how her her planet was really bad, and sometimes the only escape people had was drugs. And Wesley's like. I don't even understand how that's an escape. And she's like, well, cause they make you feel really good. They make you feel like you're on top of the world. And uh, even though it's not actually solving any of your problems, you feel much better about your whole life. And uh, he's like, I just, I guess I won't understand. And she's like, I hope you never do Wesley. I hope you never do. But anyway, that was the PSA from TNG. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Iconic you, TNG. scene. Uh, but Picard calls Yar to the guest quarters at this point and uh, ends this PSA. So they're on the call uh, with Margan on the planet who's like, everybody is fucking dying down here. The entire planet is going through withdrawals. Um, it's pretty bad. They, they don't call them withdrawals. I'm saying that that's, that's bad. That's a bad situation. It, it, but it's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Picard is just like, well, I'm sorry. Uh, nothing I can do. And Crusher is just giving him the biggest stink eye in the world yeah. here. <laughs> She's not happy in this episode. Um. Uh, but Tajan is like begging them for help. Like you guys have to do something for us. And he gets so desperate that he actually grabs commander Riker with his electro hand. And it's like, you're going to take us and put us on a shuttle with that Felicium and send us back to our planet. Or I'm going to kill this guy. And I'll Riker the entire time is Riker's face during the, when he's getting grabbed is fucking amazing. Yeah. That's going to be the episode art for this episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> glad he's just I like completely bug eyed. He's like, <laughs> He's well, all he's paralyzed. Like, um, yeah, he's done with the paralysis of it's the so electricity. But yeah. Um, and Picard actually, like, the ball's on Picard. He calls to Jean's bluff and says, you, You're not going to kill him. And he's like, Fucking, he drops right. He's like, Ah, oh, you're right. But please help us. <laughs> please. Um, and Picard's like, I'm not sure I can help you. Bye. So, <laughs> yeah, Riker stands up. He's fine now. He's like, ah, I feel great. I'm a little queasy, but whatever. And then uh, the Brecken woman comes to Captain Card and uh, says, I need to talk to you. And he's like, all right, Dr. Crusher, this should be good. Come, <laughs> let's talk. I love this scene, by the way. Uh, so this is they, go to the, they go to the Brecken's quarters and the Brecken's are like, you know, we've decided to gift this Felicia because we don't want them to suffer anymore. So we can talk about payment with them later, but they should have this medicine. Um, and Picard says, well, there goes the other shoe. They know. And then oh. we get this. The scene where uh, Picard and Crusher are, are um, I, I think Dr. Crusher here is pretending like to ask these questions just to keep the conversation going because she also realizes that they know. But uh, they were observing, Picard observes, that they know that there's no plague on the planet, that they are just peddling drugs to the Ornarans. So they're willing to give up this shipment so that the Ornarans don't lose their addiction. Um, and Picard further surmises that they know this uh, with, with Dr. Crusher playing the, oh, well, how do they know this, uh, Captain Picard? Uh, well, the Breckens probably also had this plague, uh, but realized the plant was a narcotic so that they broke the addiction cycle, but never passed this information along to the Ornarans. He's just like so able to like fucking Detective Picard is very confidently is able to, to assume the entire history of the Breckens and probably correctly. It's very. Oh, he, he's 100 he percent. You can see in their faces. Yeah, they're like, right, right. No, it, it just made me laugh. It's like, oh, I deduce. I know your entire history. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I love when Picard gets to do Sherlock shit. I really liked at the beginning of the scene, they walk in and 
uh, the guy says, we both feel deeply about what is happening. It was, it's just such a good uh, corporate apology line. Right, these, right. These guys are such shitheads, you know? Like, they're, they're perfect people that you love to hate. They're like they're like super tanned and attractive and they're like kind of like and obviously they have their, their super nice clothing. They're just like there for you to like hate on. Basically. Yeah, they're like they're, psychopathic almost, too. They're yeah. very uh, country club people. I would yes, say. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the Breckens ask them, well, what are you going to do with this information? And Picard's like, well, I can't do anything with it. I can't tell them because it would violate the prime directive. Um, and uh, and I have no choice but to let them have the drug because you've offered it. And Crusher is so mad, so mad about this. Yeah, yeah. And, but they—they're so smug, like they're like, "Ah, oh, we won! Ha ha! The day is ours again." Um. So and, and like car- Crusher, like Crusher is basically saying, like, you know, if you let them, you know, take the Felicium, like you're like dooming that planet to more, like, you know, basically like enslavement to drugs. And you know, Picard is just like, well, as soon as the Breckens said that they would give it away, there's like nothing I can do at that point. Like yeah, he says his hands are tied. Yeah, and but uh, Crusher does this big, like, really impassioned speech. It's like really, uh, it was just really like, uh, emotional, and she's begging. She's like, him to she's not doing, do this, she's yeah. like doing stage acting. And it's yes, it's yes, really powerful. I thought it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I, I love that scene. Um, but the next scene, we're in the cargo bay. The Ornarans are looking over the spare parts to fix their other freighters with Tasha. And they're like, these are already, um, uh, uh, <laughs> Tasha's like, uh, aligned? Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> they built these things. They have, they know, they have the okay. documentation. This, no, this no, is no. the, this is the point in the episode where we've revealed enough that I can actually tell you what I wanted to tell you earlier, Hayes. That makes sense to me because these people have been addicted to opium for 200 years. Like this entire civilization. <laughs> yeah, the Breckens say like that they they can lead ordinary lives with this, but they're not. They're they're everybody on the planet is drugged up twenty four seven. Like they've they've lost the ability to function except for growing food or whatever to buy the drugs. Right, right. They're just like this, like totally like fucked up society that's dependent on heroin twenty four seven. Which yeah. yeah, that would probably screw you up pretty pretty bad. Where you get in the sh- yeah, you like wake up with the shakes every single day. It's not so it makes sense. It makes sense that they they literally have no idea how anything works and they've forgotten no, all of their science. You're, you're right. That actually is like a good like subtle detail. Yeah, it, it, this episode is solidly written. I feel like, except for some certain details, like the <laughs> basic premise. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, Captain Picard, Doctor Crusher, and the Breckens walk in, and um, they tell them like, "Yeah, you can have the drugs." The, the Breckens said you can have them, and they're like, "Oh, thank you, thank you so much, thank you. We're not gonna die." And um, the Breckens like, "Yeah, we can discuss the payment later. You know, we just didn't want you to suffer. Uh, maybe we can beam down to the planet with you and talk about it then." And they're like, "Yeah, of course. You're oh, you're more than welcome on our planet, of course." And then Tajan walks over to Captain Picard to thank him for the coils. And uh, what does what does uh, Captain Picard say at this point? Learn how to no. repair you can, yourselves and yeah, not have the I decided you can't have them. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Which, just, okay, okay. If you want to go along with Picard's thing of the Prime Directive, and he says he's following the Prime Directive here too, where he says he can't just give them like technology from the Federation all willy nilly, like he, he's not allowed to do, to do that. Why did he say he could give them away in the first place? Well, the reason for that is I think, um, like, Technically, like maybe it would be against the prime directive, but it wasn't a big deal in the beginning to say, like, yeah, we can help you fix your freighters, whatever. 
But this is his way of saving them from the drug addiction. No, 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 take- no, no. I, I 100% get that. I just like it felt like contradictory in the first place that he would be giving them away because it would be that'd be breaking the prime directive in the first place. It's fine. Well, maybe Captain Picard is not actually that great at following the prime directive. But... <laughs> <laughs> I like this resolution, though. I mean, I, no, I, no, I like it, too, where it's like, yeah, because he's not going to give them the coils. They're like, you're doing us. We our planets won't be able to effectively, like, you know, communicate anymore because we won't have the means of transport. Like, what are we going to fucking do? Yeah, they won't be able to get the drug basically anymore. I think they can still communicate. I think they have communication, but they won't or be able I, to. I, right, right. I just meant like like transport and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And uh, they're very concerned about, you know, the fact that they're going to die. And Picard and Crusher are obviously not telling them, like, you're not going to die. But they're being like. You're just going to have to trust yourselves and uh, you'll be okay. <laughs> Good you luck. You just got to believe in yourself. <laughs> but they're fucking yeah. pissed because like they're, they're, they're parting shot as they kind of get onto the transporter is just they're saying like, you, you fucking doomed us. Like, I hope you know what you've done. Like, we're screwed. Oh, yeah. I wrote down the exact lines here because I, I love this. Actually, the end of the scene, Jean says, Captain, I hope you realize what you've done to us. And Picard says, of that, you can be sure. And then, Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't say it with that enthusiasm. But I I like this resolution because it is like a very shitty resolution. Like, this isn't an ideal. (laughs) Right. No, it's not not, not a clean bow. It's not the the fucking. Which episode was the one with the the woman like domineering planet? Like, everything wasn't just like resolved cleanly in a way that never really could be. Yeah, the Angel One situation was yeah, like, yeah, situation. We, yeah, we solved uh, solved everything and we decided everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're right, Captain. I guess we're gonna stop being sexist. The end. Right, right. <laughs> um, or there was another episode too where they really fucking. Oh, I think Wasn't it was it, actually um, um the Farpoint. children, the children planet one. It, the children planet say... where they they magically cleaned up everything in the last two minutes of the show, and then also yeah. encounter at yes. Farpoint where they discovered that the space station was actually an alien all the time, but they negotiated a new station being built somehow. Did Don't they? worry about it. Yeah, that was the very end of the episode. Oh, right, the like, very like, last second. A, a, yeah, right, it's like, new... we'll get a new station built. No problem. Okay, bye. Yeah. No, this is like the first time I feel like where we really had a, a very realistic and bittersweet ending where, yeah, these people are going to be fine eventually, but they're going to have a miserable fucking time of it. And they're all very pissed. Um, I think it's hilarious that the Breckens are going down to the planet with them because they're going to be trapped there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, in a very angry planet that has no drugs. Um, but, I think uh, maybe it makes sense um, that Picard thought, oh, we can just fix a few ships and that's not a big deal. But if um, he's like, oh, these ships are the linchpin of these entire societies, that makes it different. Yeah, his his fixing those ships would have been uh, dooming those people to more drug slavery for another like 200 years, probably. You know, so he's making that hard decision to be like, well, the prime directive definitely does not want me to do that. So good luck. Right, right. And that does make sense. Um, and then, then we get the scene where, where Dr. Crusher and Picard are walking out in the turbo lift and she's very upset about this resolution too. And we talked about this earlier where he pauses it and says, this is not just a rule. This is a philosophy. This is a way of life. And um, we can't just, you know, step in and be gods of the universe that never goes well in history of uh, of any species, of any race. We can't just go into a lesser evolved, uh, not lesser evolved, a lesser developed 
feces and and change everything for them. Right. Which makes sense. No, I, it does I, make I, sense. I like... I, I'm all for the Prime Directive when they actually follow it, you know, and that's why I like this episode yeah. is because they do actually follow the Prime Directive for the first time in the show. We did Finally, it. Finally, they did it. Yay! We kind of had to shift the philosophy of the show a little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like that much grittier, and I like the ending, too, where they, they get back to the bridge, and um, Jordy uh, Lef- Lask, so where are we gonna go, Captain? And he's literally says, I don't care. Get us the fuck out of here. I have a question. Remember when we were observing the sun? Whatever happened to that? It's d- it's did we, did we finish? Yeah, I guess we're done. done. They they saw enough solar flares. They're done. But I yeah, thought, we it, kept... I thought it was an episode again with like some pretty good ideas, but like I just wish there was like I don't know what the word is for it. I, I just wish there was a little more going on. Yeah, I mean, it's still a little lacking. Like, it still hasn't fully come together. But I feel like we're getting there as a show. And yeah. um, and that's another reason I like this one, too, is because you see threads in this that, that are ve- better developed later in uh, in later seasons and later episodes. So I don't know. I, I, I like symbiosis. <laughs> no, I, I, I like I liked it overall. Okay. It was a fine time. There was some fine I, track this I can I think I can say it was a fine episode that is also stupid. I think that's a fair point to to put on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the less stupid episodes of season one, though, I'm gonna say. I that's what I think. That's my feelings personally, but you are entitled to yours, McFreeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want now a stupid episode, speaking of next week, we are going to be talking about Skin oh, of Evil. Boy. Oh, boy. Uh, I really hope. Oh, I really hope that has like an imposter situation going on. Skin well, of Evil. Skin of Evil. Uh, to give you a, a brief summary for our listeners uh, for next week is the episode that has a tar monster in it. That's all I will say. It has a oh. tar monster in it. And uh, then we will also be talking about uh, We'll Always Have Paris, which literally I do not remember at all. I have not seen this episode I, in ages. I, it's, it's, uh, Kevin... I, always, I always see it on the episode list. I'm like, what the hell is that one? Yeah, so we'll find out, I guess, next week. Uh, something about Captain Picard and uh, someone from his past and a time experiment or some bullshit. I don't know. I haven't watched it in like literally probably 10 years. So we'll see. Is it... uh, I'm excited. Be... We got, this is, we're on the last uh, we've only got two weeks left in this season, and I'm very excited for both of those weeks. So, I'm very excited for uh, the week after next when we'll be talking about conspiracy and um, uh, whatever the last episode's called. The Romulan something. Merc is the, the uh, is the Tar Monster in Skin of Evil half as cool as the Tar Monster in Return of the Living Dead? It is. Uh, not even half as cool as that monster haze, unfortunately. <laughs> it, is, no. it is maybe like oh, 10% is as cool. One of the worst monsters. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it might not... be. I guess it reaches the level of original Star Trek, at least. It's not a great episode, but it's a very iconic episode for a very specific reason that I'm not going to spoil. So watch it. Watch the show. Watch, watch the show haste watch the show listeners skin of evil and uh what was the other one uh, we'll always have paris that'll be next week uh, if you have any questions or comments for us please email us at beam me to sickbay at gmail.com we always love to hear from you and thank you guys for listening thank you mcfreeze thank you haste mm-hmm. 
and goodbye. Bye-bye. Farewell.